0: All right,
1: are we ready? Yeah. Are we beginning? Is everybody Let here? Begin.
0: Are we prepared? Yes.
1: All right, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, we now begin today's program. The world has known all kinds of heroes. Now there's...
2: Indiana, the Jones.
1: He loves danger. Trust me. And no matter what the risk. For the sacrifice, he'll stop at nothing to get there first. What's your
3: dream? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go.
1: From the jungles of Peru, to the streets of Cairo, to the greed of the Pharaoh,
4: to the wrath of God, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you realize what the Ark is, it's a transmitter. It's a radio
1: for speaking to God together they defy the danger and share the surprise
0: let it go
5: raiders of the lost ark
1: Why, hello, it's 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of May in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the flushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970, 503-733-2970. For your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, ruminations on the origins of the crystal skull, what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol is standing by ready, willing and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the continued exploitation of a franchise, uh, whatever it is that uh, is plaguing your brain today. It is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Hi, howdy, Hello. Uh, you can email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at uh, am. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, we are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, coming up later on the day, we'll talk to Senior Radio Correspondent James Ruth, who is back from his sojourn to Death Valley. Uh, I don't know, some sort of Manson update. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I really just want to talk to him about how he was incarcerated in a place where it was 117 degrees and there was no water and no cell service. Because that's exactly where you want your cell phone to stop working. It's at a place called Death Valley. Uh, we will talk to... I don't even know who Michelle Wright is. Michelle Wright is apparently a new CNN radio correspondent working in Los Angeles alongside Jim Rupp. So, it, I it, let me just say this. First of all, I don't really care about American Idol. The, here's the only two reasons I really care about American Idol today. A... There's a, and I think she might actually pop in to tell the story here in a few moments. There was sort of a uh, sort of a hilarious disaster that happened to Susan Reynolds last night involving American Idol. B, my wife was all distraught because apparently David Archuleta, who was the guy who I think lost, right? He was the guy that lost. He's the guy that lost. Yeah. F him, he lost. So he's from Salt Lake City, where apparently it was David Archuleta month all month long. Uh, so as they do. Uh, you know, a Utahan got really, really close to winning something and then choked at the final moment. So David Archuleta is the Utah jazz uh, of the singing world. So we'll talk, uh, and plus I just want to know who Michelle Wright is, because I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard of her. So she's new on the CNN DACA today, so we will have speaks with CNN radio correspondent Michelle Wright. We'll talk to Bob Noodles Costantini uh, later on this hour and berate him endlessly for nearly giving away, or in fact giving away, depending on whether you were listening to the terrestrial signal or to the stream. Giving away the Lisa Desjardins surprise last week. And I will hold it over him, Catholic guilt style, for the remainder of his years on planet Earth. All right. Uh, we got that coming up. Dorothy Harry for the National Enquirer uh, will join us later on today. Uh, we'll do the top five. Today we have the top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Yeah, that's coming up later on today. Top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Uh, What else? It is High Concept Thursday, following on the heels of High Concept Wednesday and inevitably leading into High Concept Friday. That's coming up today. Um, Your phone calls and your things and your whatnots and uh, your so forth. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You should join us. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday.
0: Oregon's ethanol requirement actually lowers your gas mileage. And Oregon amusement park goes out of business. A replica of the Nina when a Christopher Columbus' ships arrives on the East End Esplanade tomorrow. Even more tall ships are coming to the cove. Yes, David Cook wins American Idol by 12 million votes. I mean, 12 million. <laughs> Our Richard Dreyfus will play Dick Cheney in Oliver Stone's W movie. A jailed Mexican donkey docu- is released. Texas has no way to take away those polygamy kids. And we'll talk about the Indiana Jones movie. Which Excellent. we saw at midnight. Which we did. So, uh, we'll... Uh,
1: so, I, I don't even... I don't even know how to start. And by the way, we should say that I won't spoil anything about the Indiana Jones film today. I already had several people. They saw me coming down the hallway today, and they sort of ran screaming like children in the other direction, afraid that I was going to sort of reveal all. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything I could... I, I, I don't really... How do I put this? I don't think there are any spoilers that I could... Even, like, what could I possibly spoil about Indiana Jones?
6: Well, there's like that the one big thing that yeah, but that's are not true.
1: But that's but that's not true. That's uh, I uh, we found out uh, there was an article actually that came out.
6: I was really finding that far-fetched. I'm like, really?
1: Well, I might as well. I mean, I might as well just say it because Lucas himself talked about it in an article in in an interview I think in the LA Times uh, last week, because there had been. I mean, and the only reason I'll say this is because it was in the newspaper. This was Lucas himself kind of running his mouth about it because somebody had speculated that they were going to kill off Indiana Jones at the end. That was the, that was sort of the alleged spoiler. Somebody said, you know, I think Harrison Ford's character dies at the end and then what's his name? Shia LaBeouf has to, has to pick up his hat and carry on in his footsteps. And Lucas himself, as he always does, was right there to give us a kick in the figurative and nostalgic junk uh, last week when he was interviewed. And first of all, I mean, he flat-out said that Indiana Jones doesn't die, so I knew that kind of going in. He said that in the paper last week. So, I mean, that was the only thing that even... It could have been a spoiler because it was sort of ruminated up, upon. So Lucas comes out and he says, Well, you know, Indiana Jones isn't going to die. Here's a little test for you, Sarah Dillon. Coming, as it, coming at it as you do from sort of a third-person pe- uh, third 3rd perspective, George Lucas' observational vantage point. George Lucas was interviewed last week pimping Indy 4. Mm-hmm. He starts talking about how Indiana Jones doesn't die. What... Does he inevitably say at some point during this interview for Indiana Jones four?
6: Oh God, I don't even I don't even know what direction you're going. So, with what, this. so what
1: what is it? Uh, let's see. Uh, how do I put this? What what does George Lucas indicate that he's already working on? Let's just put it that way. On um, Indiana
6: Jones five. There you go. Indiana Jones <laughs>
1: five and six. Oh, oh boy! I'll take beating it to death and into the next life. Well, even for a a crank those up
6: soon. Harrison Ford's like getting up there, well, isn't he?
1: I, and that's the other thing is that that's the, that and that's how he got to the business of revealing that Indiana Jones doesn't die. Why? Because he wants to have Harrison Ford in them again. And Harrison Ford, I'm certainly be up for it. I mean, I know that it sounds like I'm being cruel to the movie right off the bat, but let it go, friends.
0: But what's Harrison Ford been doing every day for the last 26 years? I don't know, Tim. What has he been doing every day for that the last That's my question.
1: Well, I mean, he was. I guess just. Waiting for that regarding Henry sequel. I don't know. I i mean, I. So we should say here, first and foremost, that we're joined today as always by the lovely and talented Cerex Dillon, who did not go to see Raiders of the Lost Ark last night. Alas, um,
6: I did not. I did go and see a show last night, though. What did you go to see? I went and subspanned uh, the wigs. They're playing at uh, Lola's room. See,
1: I, I saw that on the reader board at the Crystal, but uh, for some reason I assumed it was like the Afghan wigs, no, and they just the shortened it.
6: That's so funny, because that's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah, and I saw that, I'm like, that's good. funny. The Afghan of... are coming. I tried to like them. They're pretty bland. Like, I've stayed in Washington for a while. I got to see some of my buddies from 94 four seven that I haven't seen in a while, though. It's almost exactly like my evening, Sarah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I tried to like it, but it was really bland, no, but, but I didn't like get I'm to trench, see some people. i trying because I'm
6: like, yeah, you're out there making music. I'm like... God damn, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I finish my beer and go?
1: Do you ever? That's the thing where you go to see a band and you really want to like them because they seem like good guys mm-hmm. or they seem like they're doing it for the right reasons or they really got to. Have you ever done this? Have you ever read an interview with a guy in a band? that I know you have, where, you know, there'll be some website or Rolling Stone or whatever. And you see an interview with a guy and he's talking about his band's latest release and he talks it up. And then you go and listen to the album, and it seems like the record he's describing and the record they actually totally recorded different. and released are two entirely different yep. albums. And you kind of go back to the article and you go, no, 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 this is what it's called. Okay, there was this band called, um, called Marah or Mara, Mara, something like that, M-A-R-A-H. And they put out this album called 20,000 Streets. Uh, I think that was the name of her, 20,000 Streets Under the Sun. But it was supposed to be some sort of Latter-day Springsteen examination of what it was like in the city and the heartland and growing up against all odds and with the girl by your side and striking out and kicking the heels of this town, you know, kicking the dust of this town off your heels and moving, whatever. And it was some great coming-of-age Jim Steinman epic whatever. And then I went and I picked it up and I listened to it and it was just crap. It was just such unrelenting crap. And it was so much... Have you ever actually taken... The CD out of your CD player. I guess you don't do that anymore. I guess it's a thing that this is, this is from a bygone era where you actually take it out and you look at it, and then you look at the label, and then you look back at the article or whatever, and mm-hmm. you're trying to make sure that you purchased the right CD, because the CD that they were touting and the CD that you're listening to have no relation to one another. Anyway, so that, oh, was, I feel the, ya. So that was your band. That was that kind was, of your band experience last night. Yes.
6: Well, then yeah, I hung out with Kelsey and some other folk last night. It was it was a fun night. Excellent. Yes, indeed. So, so how was it? You haven't told me. Well, here's the thing. Told.
1: So I will not spoil uh, anything. I, will not, I won't give any spoilers away. But as I said moments ago, and I hate to be revisiting this point already, I don't really know, now that I think about it, what could I possibly be spoiling? Because, let me ask you this, Sarah, hmm. what, based on just the limited amount of press you have heard, what do you know about this Indiana Jones film? For example,
6: I'm assuming that uh, he had that a uh, love child with Marion and that's Shia LaBeouf. There you go. And he's check. R- he's rough and tumble and uh, is uh, probably has father issues. Check. Um, is really unwilling to let uh, in, to let Indiana become a part of his life. Check. Uh, some for some like kooky twist of fate brings them together on an adventure that uh, is beyond the realms of your imagination. Check. Uh, we
1: could do an entire opening segment of this. Hey, if you have speculations, here's what I want right now. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you have not seen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and it just opened last night. I saw it at midnight.
6: And it would be a jerk if you did see it. Be like, oh, did this specific thing happen? Because you know it did.
1: Yeah, if you've seen it, don't, don't call up and be an ass and make like an oddly specific, quote, guess about it. If you have not seen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, call up. It's 503 733 2970 Here's what I want. I want guesses about the plot or general twists of tone from people who have not seen the film. Although I think Sarah just have... said about 80% of them <laughs> right now.
6: Rick, 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 did, please t- to be telling me that they did not, like, make any kooky references to, like, any things that happened in previous movies. Check. No.
1: Check and check, Sarah no. Dillon. Yes, they did.
6: Do they do a plea, you chose, like, poorly?
1: They don't do that, actually. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think a guy says, you chose wisely. I don't think they have that.
6: Did you the Indiana, that was the dog's name.
1: I did catch at least three really specific, like, Easter egg references today the previous Indiana Jones films. I'm sorry, it sounds like, I, I'm being a jerk. It sounds like I'm coming out of the gate hating on the Indiana Jones. I I should say no, first you're and not. foremost. I mean,
6: you know what? It's Indiana Jones. People are going to see it regardless. It's not like it 27 is. dresses or whatever that thing was. It is
1: critic-proof, I suppose. I I should say this first and foremost. We do honestly, sincerely want to thank everybody who came out last night. of uh, met a bunch of great listeners who were there. Uh, Court and Fatboy came along. Tim was there. Um, it is, so there was a you know a bunch of really really cool. We we filled more than one theater. We actually filled one theater all the way, and we filled the second theater almost to overflowing. And that was at midnight on a Thursday in no offense to him, Tanisborn. So, uh, you know, so we do want to thank everybody who came. As, there was uh, you know some really really cool people and this scorchingly hot listener named Caitlin that I met. So it was I, it was it was a good time. It was a fun time. It was a great bonding experience. If only a good movie. Uh, there, I said it. Really I just said it. I just didn't. I, I wanted it to be so much better than it was. It, I'll say this it had its moments. It really did. It had moments that I liked a lot, but boy, goddamn, were they bracketed by moments that I just that could have smothered in the crib with not even a backward glance of guilt. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm
6: glad I didn't drive out to Tannis for, for that, Then
1: 503 733 So we'll take phone calls here in just one second about that. Oh, by the way, Great White will be joining us in the studio later on today. Thank you for taking care of that, Richie. Around well, 1 p.m., uh, the folks from Great White will be rolling on in. I think they are at the Roseland tonight, I do believe. All right, uh, we are now looking for people who have not seen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to speculate on what sort of wacky things might have happened in the film. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show.
7: Nate. Why did it have to be snakes?
1: There is a snake reference. Yeah, oh, there it is. Are. I'm amazed. There is
8: I a. i am amazed theres if it wasn't the snake, it was going to be something along that line. No, no,
1: no. There is, and I will actually say there is a pretty, and I won't spoil anything, but there pretty there is a pretty legitimately funny moment involving Indiana Jones and his fear of snakes. There oh, is.
7: Yeah, I, I firmly believe
8: it'll be good. Yeah. Well, but I I'd have been shocked if they left that out.
1: No, no, no. They they did have that, and as Sarah already pointed out, there was. I mean, early on in the film. It, let me just say this about, about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not a terrible film. Uh, it was amusing but unnecessary. I think that's how I would describe it. Amusing but ultimately pointless. Like There was just no need for it to exist. Um, the, the entire first 15 minutes of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are one big sort of pandering nostalgia trip, which I guess is okay if it had been done well. It just doesn't. It wasn't, in my opinion, executed very well. So, all right, but you know, see it. You can say that you saw it, and it's part of the American experience, and so forth. It's just, uh, I call it a, uh, I call it a second base
0: hit. And that's what it is.
9: What about the, the uh, uh, something that's, you know,
7: like especially in the second one, like when he fall, they jump out of the airplane in the raft and land on the snow and fall off the cliff and land in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are good uh, stunts. And then there are stunts that are so far-fetched, they're unbelievable. Dude, let, like me, just,
1: let me just tell you this, and this is all I'm going to say, and if you've seen Indiana Jones 4, you saw it last night with us, God bless you.
8: Not yet, but I'm going to see it today.
1: Here's the thing, and I won't I won't reveal what it is. Court from uh, KUFO, from Court and Fatboy had seen the movie already. He saw it on Sunday at a critic screening. And he and uh, Fatboy were talking to me about it. And they revealed, this is before I'd seen the film again, I won't say what moment this is, but they told us that at one moment, There was a scene where Court, in the screening, literally hit himself in the, you know, like put his hands on his head and actually said in the theater, "Come on!" And I was like, "Well, it couldn't be that bad." But you know what? I saw the moment. I knew the moment last as soon as it came on the screen last night. Because inside my head, I had the sense not to open my mouth. But there's a moment that happens about three quarters of the film last night where I actually, I kind of clenched my teeth to keep from saying, "Come on!" Where it's just so off the charts absurd.
6: Oh, really?
1: It's like you're being kicked in the brain and being made dumber with it... every single thrust of the foot.
6: It does have to do Shia LaBeouf. Oh, of course it does. Of course. All right. How
1: but there, there is a guy in there who great. does look, look like Mitchell Bickford. Yeah, no, there really is. There's a total Mitchell Bickford guy. Thank you, sir. You bet. Bye now. Oh, we'll do a couple more and then we'll talk to uh, Susan Reynolds, who has uh, was an interesting anecdote about last night. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
10: Hello. 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 Oh, Rick, I was just wondering if I just send you my $8. You, you promised not to ruin it, and then you guys are just ruining the I'm not ruining it. I haven't hey, seen anything. anything
1: about it, and I would uh, say this. I'm uh, glad I saw it. People should see it because it's part of the American experience. It's a big slice of pop culture. And I'll say this. There are sections of it that are really good. There are sections of Indy 4 that I really do like, and it felt like an Indiana Jones film. Uh, the first 15 minutes could have been lopped off. And I think the last 10 minutes could have been lopped off. The, in well, the I... middle, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really good. Basically, anytime time Shia LaBeouf isn't on the screen, it's a fine film. Oh. He, he comes on the screen. Oh, and let me just say this, and I do mean this, honestly. Good. But what's that? The 50s thing the was good. The 50s thing was good, and I'm being too hard on Shia LaBeouf. But, but it's not him. It's that Spielberg uses him as a vehicle to do some really terrible special effects scenes. Kate Blanchett, though, is the hottest thing on two feet. No lie, she is so unbelievably scorchingly white-hot in this movie, it's worth the price of admission just for her.
10: Well, that'll work, then.
1: All right, but definitely see it. I mean, I don't mean to sound like you shouldn't see it. You should, because it's an Indiana Jones film. But
5: manage your expectations,
1: sir. Under um, promise,
5: over deliver. All right, well, best show ever. Thank you. All right.
1: Hello, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Hi. How are you? Fine, thanks. All right. So would you like to share with us? See, I was, I was kind of getting kicked in the head one way last night. Yeah,
11: you... and I in another.
1: I don't really uh, watch American Idol, although we'll be talking to somebody from CNN about it uh, here in a few minutes just so I can lord over my wife the fact that somebody else from Utah lost at something. But no. huh. this everybody who has a TiVo, a DVR, or whatever can relate to the story. I heard you telling the story this morning down the hall. And I was like, you have to come on and tell this story to everybody. So you are a big American Idol fan.
11: Yeah, and you know what? I didn't even realize it because Jimmy Kimmel was on American Idol last night at, at, in the two-hour finale mm-hmm. that could have really been over with in about, you know, a, a minute and a half. And he was talking about how it's been 19 weeks, and I sat up and I went, I have spent 19 weeks watching your life. this show. Wow. I will never get those weeks no. back. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. But... Knowing that it was the finale, I thought, okay, planting my butt down on the couch watching this show. I've gone this far. I'm going all the way. But I also knew that I had to run over to the Evergreen Theater and make sure everything was set up right for the um, uh, midnight showing. Absolutely. And that was happening right at the same time. So, set the TiVo. Left the house. Now I watched most of it. I watched probably an hour and a half of this thing. How long was it? Two hours. Oh, good Lord.
1: <laughs> okay. It's really what DVRs are made for, though.
11: Yeah, because you could speed yeah. through, and I didn't. I watched, and then I got up off the couch, got in my car, drove to the Evergreen Theater, checked things out, everything's cool. Going back home, I told my kids, you're gonna watch it, and you're and you're gonna be excited when I get home. Don't say anything. I want to watch that last, you know, 20 minutes. Don't spoil or it for mommy. Exactly. So the kids, they, they, they looked filled with anticipation because we had our favorite, two Davids, right, up for the final. Sure. Um, I, and they go up to bed. I sit down with my remote, plug in, turn on, and we get all the way to the end. And Ryan's going, and the winner of American Idol 2008 is David... And he opens his mouth to say the last name, and my TiVo says, would you like to delete?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
11: I, are you kidding me? Now, this, I, I, w- I went in my bedroom, and I had it taped out in there, so I went out to the living room. I, thought, well, I taped it out there, too, so I'm going to run out there. Same thing. I was out of my mind. Because, of course, they were both named David. Of course. And and I, I was trying to look from the shape of Ryan's mouth as he was about to say the last name. It looked like he was going to say Archuleta, so I thought, oh, but I didn't but know. But there was no way to tell. No, so I ran upstairs and woke my daughter up. <laughs> tell Go me. on! And she was like, well, you said not to say. I said, <laughs> tell
2: me now! <laughs>
11: Unbelievable. Is that who
1: you were rooting for? Who were you rooting for? I
11: was rooting for David Cook. Ah. So I was quite happy and surprised. Twelve million votes. That's kind of a lot. Large... more than
1: most voted statewide elections, I think. I, I yeah. mean <laughs> I mean, well,
11: Brian said there were over 95 million votes.
1: Yeah. I mean, he could
11: tell us anything and we would believe him. We have yeah. no way of knowing. But I, could, I was out of my that mind. That is
1: perfect. That's flawless. I mean, really flawless in its in the way that it screwed you out of just <laughs> just the information you needed.
11: I mean, and the timing was yes. David. Yeah, would you like to delete? And then I know no. exactly that
1: window that's that you're talking about the TiVo window that comes up that you're done viewing this program. Yeah. Would you like to save it for further viewing or delete now? And you're kind of going, what,
11: but I whether you like on. it or not, you're yeah. done. And and I would think with the electronics the way they are now, if a show's going to run long, even by a minute. You shouldn't have to reset your whole thing. It should just know.
1: Well, you know, they do that to screw you, though. I mean, the networks do that intentionally.
11: To make you watch the next yeah, show. Yeah, to
1: make you watch the next thing. Now, you know, do you have a TiVo or a DVR?
11: Oh, well, I've gone round and round. I've had both. But uh, what, because right if you now, have an
1: actual TiVo, you can set it to oh, yes. buffer to yeah. do five minutes early, five I minutes know late. You don't with a Comcast DVR also. Yeah. Yeah, you
11: can do that. And I, I didn't because I figured, well, you know.
1: Whenever there is a truly live program I'm watching, Oscars, Super Bowl, you yeah, know, I have a call-in, you know, a vote show or yeah. whatever, like, my wife will watch some of you, know, like Survivor, where they do the yeah. finale live or whatever. You, I always said it to go like 15 minutes late. Oh, yeah. Always, always, always. Oh, I got burned big time. Yes. Well, well a great down night now. all the way around. So <laughs> I, I really should say, actually, it was, we did have... a For for a movie that had its moments and that had its moments of Mrs. 2... Uh, I mean, I still got to give it a thumbs up because it's Indiana Jones. Everybody really ought to see it. Everybody will see it. And we did have a great time. Uh, the listeners were great. We yeah. filled almost two complete theaters. Uh, you know, Court and Fatboy came out. Everybody did have a great time. So it's it, you really just have to sort of squint your eyes a little bit when the bad CGI comes on the screen. And... Uh,
11: yeah, I was listening to uh, the Adam Carolla show this yeah. morning, and they were talking about it, and they said that last, you know, the last act, basically, was all CGI. Like, they went full on right. overboard, right. and that's what they said was bad. Uh,
1: which, is, which is what made the early Indiana Jones films so great, in that they felt, I mean, I, you know, not like I was alive to see the original 1930s and 40s serials, but, you know, you kind of know what they looked like, where they were sort of low-budget and grimy and cool. And the thing about Indiana Jones 4 is, and again, there's moments of it that are really good, about Tim and I had the same discussion that it takes you about 20 minutes to get used to Harrison Ford to Indiana Jones being 65 years old. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, because he's frozen in time in your head. But once your brain kind of accepts it, once you kind of go, okay, he's 65 years old, it actually works really, really well. It's just that at a certain point in the process, I suspect George Lucas just had so much input on it that they went totally CGI no models, no miniatures. And it just looks too shiny and pretty, and it looks like there. I swear to God, there were moments in that movie where the scene is. There's nothing even exciting happening. The scene is literally two people standing outside talking, and they're on a they're on a green screen. And I'm going, there's nothing happening. You're standing outside a garage talking, and yet they're clearly in front of a green screen for the background. It's, they're not, you know, they're not standing outside of an Incan you temple. You
6: should try and focus on some of the positives about it. Like, the, the, was there anything good?
0: The, there was so... a lot that was good. There was a lot that was good. Okay, because
6: I haven't heard anything good. Like, yeah. you keep saying all the, the bad. The warehouse
0: scene was something out of an old V. Columbia picture serial. Yeah. When the warehouse with all the boxes running around, trying to open them, jumping up and down off things,
1: there firing were, guns at each other. There really were a lot of moments that I really liked. There were a lot of moments where the highest compliment I can give it is a lot of moments where it felt like an Indiana Jones film. Okay, cool. You know, uh, and those are basically in the middle. I would say this if you could you know the first 15 minutes in my opinion real rough the last 15-20 minutes yeah. kind of too slick and pointless the middle of the film is actually really really good um every
0: it takes a long time to be over
1: though it, yeah it kind of goes on and it, how they how long is it? the lights two hours and the uh-huh. longer uh-huh. they go the more and more heavily they lean on cgi which is my big problem if you go back and watch Indiana Jones on the Temple of Doom, do you remember that sequence where she's having to reach into the hole to pull the switch to stop the spikes, yeah. and there's spiders oh. and bugs and whatever? Yeah. I won't, you know, spoil anything except to say that there's some creepy, crawly things in this, obviously. But they're all fake, and they're all obviously CGI.
11: Because yeah. you got the sense, though, there were real snakes. Because
1: those, you, you you know, know. Yeah, those are real bugs yeah. Like yeah.
11: crawling up yeah. the yes. sleeve. those are those, cool.
1: are those are real creations crawling all over her hand. When you watch this, you kind of go, hey, there's some computer-generated creatures. Yeah. And it's just not as scary. That being said, Kate Blanchett is great. Harrison Ford is great. Karen Allen looks amazing after twenty-seven years gone.
11: Is Harrison Ford wearing the earring?
1: No. <laughs> what? No.
11: Oh, he, <laughs> does, he does have
6: a he like has an earring, earring,
11: really? He yeah. Oh, uh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Mm. So,
1: anyway, on the whole, I give it a thumbs up. Uh, I do put it probably fourth in the series behind Raiders. It, I mean, the, the quality is the order of release. I mean, Raiders are the best, followed by Temple of Doom, followed by Crusade, followed by this. I give it a thumbs up. You really ought to watch it. It's part of being a good American. Uh, that being said, uh, I believe it is time for Doctor Jones to go to bed. That's uh, that would be my take on the situation. Okay. And that's the way it is. Susan Reynolds. Yes. Glad you're uh, glad your guy won last night. I recovered. All right. Should we take a break here? Yeah. All right. We come back. Michelle Williams, or I'm sorry, Michelle Williams. Michelle Wright. Uh, will talk to us a bit about who's Michelle Williams. She was the actress that was with Heath Ledger. Oh, And not she's her. also
6: in, uh, she's in Destiny's Child.
1: She won't be here for oh. anything. Michelle Wright will be here to talk about American Idol. Uh, later on, Bob Noodles Costantini will feel all of our Catholic guilt for revealing the Lisa Desjardins surprise last week. And Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there, won't you? Is that a thing we can talk about on the air?
6: Oh, sure. Excellent. I'm an idiot. This
0: is Sarah. She's an idiot.
1: <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. In just a moment, we'll talk to Michelle Wright from CNN Los Angeles. Uh, later on, we'll do the top five. Top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Let's see. What the hell else are we doing today? Uh, we will talk to Bob Costantini later on. James Roop will join us. Dorothy Carceseri from the National Enquirer. My, 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 what a busy day it is. Uh, we'll have uh, Great White in the studio later on. I think they're going to be at the Roseland tonight. i got to get Matt to come look at my microphone, Mike.
0: Yeah,
2: what's
1: going on over there? Well, the there? shock harness or whatever this thing is called. The uh, the webbing that holds my microphone is broken. All right. It's 503 uh, we'll talk more about this later. Uh, for those who are curious about such things, Sarah's back hurts because for no readily apparent reason last night, she was jumping up and down in a bunch of shrubs. Let's it was walking.
6: a really bouncy bush. <laughs> that sounds wrong. Never mind. It was a big, flat piece of thing.
1: I'm sorry, I have my microphone. best thing the other day was when uh, you were talking at the party about having a mouthful of cocktail. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Michelle Wright from Los Angeles, CNN radio correspondent extraordinaire, to whom I have never spoken but whom I am fantastically sure is wonderful. Hello.
12: Hello, Rick. I, I try to live up to my reputation.
1: I, how, I And I apologize, there was a little uh, bit of a technical snafu with our telephones earlier. I do believe there is a gremlin on the wing of the studio, but we're trying to have it excised. How are you doing? All today? right. As
12: long as you don't pour water on it, I think we're good.
1: Hey, look at you off off right out of the gate with the pop culture reference. <laughs> um how's, how's life? How are things?
12: You know what? Things are good. I, I've gotten a nap. It's about 11 o'clock here, so it's all good. If you would have talked to me about... Four hours ago, things not so good. I was living on, like, caffeine and adrenaline.
1: You know, sleep is for lightweights, Michelle. That's, uh, that's really a thing that we all know to be true, so. You
12: are, you are correct, and I am a lightweight. I, I hate to admit it, but I'm, I'm as light as
1: they come. That's okay. You know what? That'll, that'll remain a secret between you and I. I won't tell exactly. anybody else about it. Admittance is the first step. So were you, so now, did you go to the, to the American Idol, to the, to the, to the, the final, uh, performance? Were you there? Uh, did you get to see the soul crushing defeat on the face of David Archuleta?
12: I, did, I was there. I was at the Nokia Theater. And, and I think what was more soul-crushing was not David Archuleta's face, but Jeff Archuleta's face, knowing that, okay, as, after I take my son's you know, SUV that he's just won, now you know, now I'll actually have to deal with people who know how difficult a stage dad I am. Right. And, and they can pick and choose, whereas if he had won American Idol, they would have had to deal with
1: him outright. Do you suppose that the, the, the whole thing about him being such a nightmare of a stage dad had, is that was that his attempt to sort of um, find th- their gimmick or their niche? In other words, the whole, no, you know, the, the, any publicity is good publicity. And even if then, in other words, at this point in American Idol, everybody is so sort of interchangeable and we've had so many winners and so many runners up and so many contestants that that was going to be the thing that set them apart. Oh, yeah. He's the guy with the nutty father.
12: As just, you know what, I, I think Jeff Archuleta is living his dream of becoming famous through his son. Because, uh, mom is a singer and dad is a jazz trumpet player. You know, they're not really raking in the dough in Murray, Utah. So <laughs> this is their chance to get into Hollywood, and and that's what I think it is more so of, come on, kid, you got to feed this family because you've got to make it. Because you could see that on David Archuleta's face every time he was listening to the judge. Like, he is so at home on the stage. But then once he stops singing, it is like this frightened little kid of, Oh, my gosh, is my dad going to beat me if they said I did bad?
1: (laughs) That's the best thing a CNN radio correspondent has ever said.
12: Please. And not that I am claiming that Jeff Archuleta beats his child. I am not saying that at all, just as a disclaimer, before I lose my job.
1: Michelle <laughs> Wright, where have you been all my life? And let me just say this, by the way, as a person who lived for a little while in Murray, Utah, I don't really know that anybody, I don't even know that you need to rake in cash in Murray because I'm pretty sure you're still trading herds of oxen for a wife in that town.
12: <laughs> yeah, I was in utah for a little bit as well in the middle of nowhere and yeah, it's not exactly the happening place you would hope it would be
1: uh my my wife grew up in provo and she her parents still live there, my in-laws and she told me that it actually is or has or what maybe they've canceled it now that it was david archuleta month uh, in the great state of utah so.
12: Oh yeah i know they proclaimed the day at least uh when he went home for his the hometown welcome and i mean really since the osmonds david archuleta is the biggest thing to hit
1: uh, um, well, it's Utah. Does they are the sort of almost capital of the world. Uh, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, I lived there for a while, and the Jazz were constantly coming within, you know, just within sight of the NBA championship, only to see it sort of fritter away into the ether. So, it. Let me ask you this: uh, having been there and having sort of been within, you know, however, however close away, does does Paula Abdul look? I mean, does she look demonstrably? Drunk-slash-high-slash-crazy-slash-not-from-this-world? Or is that a trick of the television?
12: I think it's, like, is she one of the aliens from Men in Black? Is that what you're wondering? Basically, I'm
1: wondering if she unzips at night and some sort of, like, a succubus comes out.
12: You know what? She looked actually perfectly normal up close and personal, believe it or not. And I know that 's shocking. she came backstage and came back where you know they were corralling the press because we can 't all be able to interact with people because they're
11: afraid of us,
12: but she seemed to to be normal
13: as shocking
12: as that is now i don 't know if you know they had switched the flip you know flipped the switch in the back of her neck so she was on good mode. <laughs> I, you know, these are things I'm not privy to. But she appeared to be fairly normal last night.
1: Well, I can't speak for everybody else, but I would say that only having known you for five or six minutes, Michelle, I'm already afraid of you. So really, there <laughs> there does seem to be something uh, something in agreement there. So all right. Uh, well, here's a dumb question. You're kind of ignorant here. Are you? Uh, what do you What do you do when you're not busy uh, sort of talking to me here about American Idol?
12: I uh, do work for CNN. Obviously, I, I am an anchor, and I anchor what's called CNN and sixty. It is like more of a lifestyle, pop culture newscast, and then I also do their new uh, business newscast. I, I
1: do know CNN and sixty. All right, excellent. Well, I hope that you grace the uh, airwaves of our radio program at some point again in the future. It was a uh, pleasure to talk to you, Michelle. Uh,
12: my pleasure as well, and have a great day. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. There you go. That is Michelle
1: Wright from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Wow, she's had a spark plug. She is a fireball. Up the phone. I like her. She just kind of came bursting out of the earpiece there. All right. Actually. She
6: made me laugh out loud. She did. Did
1: she make you LOL? No, laugh out loud. Would you like to cl- uh, clarify your thing about jumping up and down inside shrubs last
6: night? I really don't have an explanation. Uh, you were all... It just looked really fun. Like, we were just walking down the street. We had we'd gone and had a couple cocktails, and there's this big, uh, like, giant flat like, bush thing right on to the side, and so it looked kind of like a big trampoline, and so we took a running start and jumped in the bushes. Now,
1: is this, but, I mean, you just jumped and then jumped back out, or you jumped in the bushes and kept, I guess I'm unclear. No, I'm
6: just jumped into them. No, I'm not, like, like standing in the middle of a pile of bushes jumping around. So it was like a one-time jump Either way, in. it was immature, and my back is totally scratched up. Well, okay. That's my story.
1: Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. That's okay. I thought it'd be more interesting than it was. Yeah, it's not. Just, It just sounded so odd because you. It com- was
6: odd. I, you know what? It's near my house. I shall show you the bushes that I jumped into. You would. I think that you might be tempted as well.
1: Maybe it just, you just came into and you're like, oh, my legs hurt. And I said, oh, and you said, yes, I was jumping into a shrub and my back is all scratched up. And it just like I, I still can't even really. I guess I'd have to see the shrubs to really. To really figure I this out. Take you so were, they, were you all walking back to your house? Yeah. Ah, okay.
0: Yes. All right. Let it, what are
1: we doing here? It's. I don't know. 11:48. Does it seem like this day is already? We've already been here for about three hours. Like so much has already happened.
6: Yeah, and then all the great white dudes are coming in too. The
1: great white. Here's what's coming up. So we have the great white guys uh, coming in. <laughs> great white guys. Here's some great white guys. <laughs> uh, some of the dudes from Great White will be coming into the studio later on today, around one o'clock or so. They're going to be performing Dorothy Carcasseri from the National Enquirer. Uh, Bob Costantini, Jim Roop, top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Um, I guess we should, uh, let's see, what we should do, I'm looking at other things we have to do. We do have to get uh, more of our bumper music labeled today. Also, it is High Concept Thursday. Do we want to try to label, oh, we have Bob Costantini coming up any moment. Yeah, noodles
6: is up in like a minute.
1: Well, all right. Well, I just have no idea what we're going to do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio. We have an awkward two minutes to fill. Higher on the Rick Emerson Radio program at 503-733-2970. How might I help you today, sir?
14: Hey, sir, Tim and Rick. This Hello, is hi. Hello, sir. Uh, well, first I wanted to say, wow, Michelle Wright. Talk about a great CNN correspondent, man.
1: It's like I picked up the phone, and immediately there was energy just pouring out of it all over the counter. So, yeah, she yeah, kind of leapt was, out of there.
14: That was a great first call from her, man, right out the gate and everything. Yeah. And uh, I had a couple thoughts about the Indiana Jones thing you were talking about a minute ago. Yes, sir. Uh, two things that I'm hoping. One, I was really hoping Sean Connery was in it. Tell me he is. I'm sorry? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I'm sorry. I
1: was, distra- I was distracted by somebody uh, sending me what they claim to be. This, somebody who sending me what claimed to be a spoiler for the next Indiana Jones film. And wow. I'm looking at it now, and I realize it's a gag. Uh, Sean Connery, uh, we'll call it a cameo
14: cameo all right good the the other thing I mean don't get
1: your uh, hopes up but we'll, we'll call it a cameo all
14: right the other thing I was hoping is that there wasn't constant age references on indie like oh god I'm too old for this kind of thing through the whole thing
1: I'm getting too old for this s uh well there's some of those in the trailer and again I'm gonna try to not spoil it I mean I'll talk about sort of the tone of the film or certain areas in which the film goes but I will say if you've seen the trailer you've already seen him there's that sequence that's in the trailer where it is Indy and his sidekick, this guy Mac, who are being, you know, they're being held at gunpoint by 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 Soviets, and and Indy, you know, and, and the guy says, you know, well, this, well, this will be easy, and Indy says, not as easy as it used to be. So right, get right. get used to some of those.
14: Yeah, I have seen that on the trailer, and I was yeah. thinking, God, I hope the whole movie isn't just plagued with these.
1: I'll say that uh, this that and we were talking about this again in the kitchen. This is the thing, Tim, and I keep going back to. For the first. 15 minutes of the... I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad movie. It's not. It's just... It's got rough patches. It's got things with it that I wish had been fixed. But it takes you about 15 or 20 minutes to accept the fact that you're seeing a 65-year-old Indiana Jones. I mean, you get Because the last time we saw him, he was... I mean, even in the movie universe, the last time we saw Indiana Jones, he was 45. Um, and, you know, even though we know Harrison Ford his age, the last time we saw Indy was Last Crusade, and that was 1989. So... It takes your brain about 20 minutes to accept the fact that you are looking at it. literally a senior citizen, Indiana Jones. Once you kind of accept that, once you can sort of get it into your head and you kind of process and you go, okay, then the movie works a lot better. It, it, it And I don't see any way that they could have solved that problem. I mean, right. it is what it is. You're going to have to take a little while to get used to the fact that he's old. Once you do, then the movie works a lot better. So I, I will say that. That is... That is not their fault. That is just the fault of nature and time, and there's nothing you can do about it. So.
14: Gotcha. Hey, and uh, the reason I called earlier was because I heard that uh, uh Sarah was talking about a show she went to last night and having a good time, and I was thinking, speaking of which, I was hoping I could come on and let you all know that I'm doing a show tomorrow night in southeast.
1: What is your show, sir, and where?
14: The show is at Rock and Roll Pizza. I'm going to be on stage around 7 o'clock, and it's the Insane May Show.
1: In San May, 7 o'clock, Rock and Roll Pizza, which is a yeah. fine venue. I've seen many shows there. Uh, that exactly. is tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Uh, do you have a website, MySpace,
14: what have you? We do. Uh, the MySpace is forward slash the Scottish Mick, and uh, the website itself is crimelabstudio.com. All right.
1: Thank you, my friend.
14: Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, here you go. Uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome the NN Radio correspondence. Hello, Hello, Bob Rick Costantini. Howard. Hello. Guess what I'm thinking right now.
8: Um, uh, you're. Do you wish you had a soda. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was so non sequitur uh, that it's pure gold.
8: Yes, I don't. <laughs> Whatever it was, I, I maybe maybe I want to know. I don't know.
1: Let's go back to. I don't know. Was it Wednesday or Thursday, Sarah? Yes.
6: What are you talking? What was Bob
1: Wednesday? Costantini. Was it last Wednesday or last Thursday?
6: <gasps> oh, yeah, it was the it was the day of. So, when,
1: what do you remember about last Thursday's call, Bob? Last Thursday. <laughs> do you remember talking to us last Thursday? Uh, I imagine.
8: So, I, I don't remember exactly what we discussed.
1: No. Mm. Um, do you remember at some point? And maybe you don't, because maybe it didn't happen. Do you remember at some point, CNN, uh, maybe somebody there telling you that Lisa Desjardins' appearance at our listener party was a a, a complete surprise? (laughs) And it was
6: a a secret? And it
1: had been a carefully held secret for about three months, and that no one was to know about it beforehand?
8: No one told me that beforehand. (laughs)
1: Are you kidding me? Nobody told you?
8: No, and I'm glad it lent an air of mystery to Lisa's uh, appearance there, but um, no, I'm sorry. I... uh, I spilled the beans without being told. Actually.
1: All right. So, did somebody tell? I mean, the matters at this point. Did somebody tell you about it afterward? Like, did they say, "Hey, don't yeah. do that"? Yeah.
8: Yeah. Say, uh, uh, uh the uh, one of my producers in Atlanta decided to let me know. Uh, but I guess that's just how it goes. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so here's so here's what happened. So uh, we had planned. Uh, about two and a half months ago for Lisa to come for our listener party, which was last Thursday. Um, yeah. And by the way, just so you don't feel too bad about it, so you're actually the second person to do it because Roop nearly spilled the beans uh, about a month and a half ago. We had Roop on the phone, and I think he'd been up for about 40 hours. And he just said halfway through the call, so Lisa's going to have a great time at your party, isn't she? Yeah. And I sort of bleeped it, and he sent me an email. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, I feel like a jerk. I don't know what I was doing. I, I'm sorry. Um, so here we are talking to you last Thursday. We've gone... Almost three months. No one has found out about it. Word that we filmed the whole introduction to her. She's actually been flown into town. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we have plans to take her in the back way uh, at the venue so that nobody sees her. I and mean, we've kept it absolutely under the cloak of secrecy and darkness. You come on last Thursday at around noon. And I do believe that the first thing out of your mouth after hello was... Hey, so is Lisa looking forward to being at your listening party tonight? I,
8: was, I told you to uh, behave with her. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> to be nice to her.
1: And so Sarah and I immediately looked at each other, and I kind of went, "Well, crap!" And I hit the I hit the delay button. I hit the dump button, which I thought sort of which I thought took care of it. What I did not know, but what I later uh, discovered, is that while the dump button works here on the air, our internet stream is in fact a pre-delay feed. And so we immediately got dozens of emails, MySpace messages, whatever, from listeners uh, who you know had been listening and you know deduced the truth. So Sarah and I then spent the next ten or fifteen minutes locking locking down our message boards, our comment boards, blocking new comments on any of our various web presences, so that nobody could. And, and I will say uh, that when the, 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 everybody was still surprised at the party, because the, the few people that we did hear from. We're good enough to keep the secret, but it was one of those things where the vi- like the pinata was bursting at the seams at the last moment. So,
8: I think it's just wonderful that Lisa has such a starlight cachet in Portland that you can bring her in there and try to keep it quiet. You know, uh, a la Lindsay Lohan or something like that. Well,
1: that is one way to look at it, Bob. Uh, in any event, I I don't hope it'll I hope it won't break your heart too much if I tell you that that was really the lion's share of the reason that we had you on today. Because I, okay. as much as I would like to pretend that I understand something about a veto of a farm bill that is derailed by a clerical error, I don't really know that there's any way for me to understand that or make it interesting, except to say. How could a clerical error derail something that's three hundred billion dollars, and isn't this emblematic of everything that people fear and loathe about our government
8: well here i'll i'll give you I'll give you the tongue in cheek uh, little thing I just wrote up that I'm going to be voicing shortly uh for c n n radio. And, uh, and uh, bear with me for about 30 seconds here. It says, President Bush vetoed the farm bill, arguing it was bloated. But one key section out of 15 was missing from the bill sent to Mr. Bush. So it turns out the House overrode the president last night on 14 fifteenths of the bill. Recognizing the mistake, the House today approved the whole bill all over again. But the Senate has just overridden the president on the 14 15 version. If a whole new bill is passed, there's also the possible scenario you remember from civics class, a pocket veto. And if none of this is confusing to you, then you probably work around here.
1: Excellent. That's that is legitimately informative and entertaining, Bob. Tongue in cheek, yes. Good for you, sir. All right. Well, see, now I'm a little bit smarter than I was 35 seconds ago. All right. Please tell me that I have just the tiniest bit of Catholic guilt that I can hold over your head for the rest of your earthly life, though.
8: Uh, For spilling the beans? Yes. I. You want me to feel guilty? But I didn't know. I really wish. I, I. I certainly. I just—I never realized that Lisa had that kind of star power.
1: Well, that's okay. Well, you can't—you can't blame a guy for trying, Bob. I will I was...
8: try to bask in her glow when she—when uh, I see her next time. <laughs> Please do. i sure her she had a wonderful time.
1: Ask her about the guy that came up and gave her a hug that never ended, who then told her that she smelled really nice. I'm sure you smell really nice, though, too, Bob. I don't want you to I'm take sure that personally. She... <laughs> She sure did. We, also, hug
6: her. We, were, we wanted to know what you look like, too, and she drew a picture of you for oh, us.
1: Oh, that's the other thing. We all went to dinner with Lisa last uh, w- on Monday, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and we, we said, because there are, there are staff photos of everybody, but we couldn't find a staff photo of you. Yeah. And so at one point we said, hey, so what does Bob, Costin- Bob Costantini really look like? We were totally being nerds. And she had
6: a martini in her hand. She's like, let me tell you, I can draw him.
1: And so she <laughs> took out literally like a cocktail napkin and a pen, and she drew a caricature of you, trying sort of crudely to depict exactly what it is that you look like in real life. I now have that at home, and I'll be selling it on eBay someday.
8: Well, there there is a um, there's a photo of the three of us out of Washington that's on the CNN Radio website. Is that true? Uh, for people who can log on there, yes. But, uh They have not put a photo of me in the um, uh, in the 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 cnn overall cnn site well if
1: they need the reporters if they do need something from from lisa i have you know it looks like one of those i
6: found you bob you're a good-looking guy
1: (laughs) there he is hey and you know her drawing was fairly accurate although i will say that the drawing she made of you bob which i now am obligated to scan and put on the website
6: yeah i can't believe you haven't yet
1: it does look like a state fair caricature where you got like a big head and a little tiny body like and i expect to be riding a pony or something so, all right. Is there? By the way, as we as we uh, get ready to uh, as we yep. get ready to sort of wrap this up, have you ever been told that you look like Ari Fleischer?
8: Oh uh, yes, and former um, former Agriculture Secretary Dan Glickman.
1: I bet that gets the ladies. Um, hey, I look like former Agriculture Agricultural Secretary <laughs> Dan Glickman. Also,
8: I, cocktail party conversation.
1: I would also say you look like Dan Castellaneta, that guy that does the voice of Homer Simpson. All right. <laughs> These are all compliments, except for the Agricultural Secretary one. All right, Bob. Thank you for tolerating our insanity today, sir. All
15: All right. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen,
16: from the hills,
1: Bob Costantini. Do you sometimes feel like Bob is one big cat toy and we're just kicking him around the room?
6: No, I feel like Bob controls the universe. Like, you, like you think <laughs> that you have Postantini control? Bob Costantini <laughs> controls the universe. You think you have control, but really, we're all just in, oh, in Bob's hand. Jesus.
1: All right. Well, there you go. God, he looks exactly how I would picture him to look. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally picture him looking that Noodles. way. Noodles. Hello, Tim. Howdy! Do you have news for us? <laughs> I sure do, and right. plenty of it. All right. Well, we should take a break. If you're on hold, and uh, you may be, we have many calls on hold. If you're on hold, hang tight. We will get to these calls since we come back. Tim Riley on the other side. Uh, Great White going to be in the studio later on, performing for us. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, and Jim Roof, as well as the top five. It is Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Radio program. No, there's the that the happening, uh, which is the new M Night Shyamalan film. I don't even know when it opens. Got Mark Wahlberg in it. So there's this thing online. It has not even leaked. It's it's, it's something on the Yahoo video or something where um, it it was like five minutes of the movie. He did the introduction. He's like, hey, this is M Night Shyamalan, and here's five minutes from my upcoming film, The Happening. And then it's like a five minute clip in the movie. And maybe it's the fault of the script. But it, it, Mark Wahlberg, it's a, the, the worst performance, as I think somebody else said wooden too. And terrible.
6: It's Wooden uh, Terrible? Who else is it? Who's the main part? It's him and... Wooden
1: and Terrible, yes. Uh, Zoe Descano
6: Oh, I like her. Yeah,
1: I like her, too. I like Mark Wahlberg. I mean, uh, that's the thing. I have no problem with Mark Wahlberg. I like him. I like her. I like me a good scary movie every now and again. I will say that it looks like there's some interesting visual stuff happening. It looks like it, has, it might have some spooky imagery, mm-hmm. but... The early word on that new M Night Shyamalan film is it's like a disaster. Well,
6: I've been watching the viral marketing and they're getting, um, they're going to different towns and getting big groups of people together to just collapse in public places to make it seem, you know, like how yeah. it is in the movie, yeah. which is kind of interesting. But then you're kind of watching it's like this is pretty stupid.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, I won't spoil it. But unfortunately, I also know the twist of the film. I know the big, I know the big reveal, which is lame. <laughs> the the big reveal is just stupid. It's just ass. And then in fact, the big reveal is, I think, so bad that they changed the name of the movie because the name of the movie was originally something else, and they changed the name of the movie so as to not even hint at the spoiler because they know the spoiler is retarded. So, I can tell you the original name of the movie if you want, which was public knowledge at one point. It was the original name of the film. Do you want to know?
6: Okay, but I I want to know, but do you want to just tell me off the air because I don't want to ruin it for anybody else.
1: Okay, um, yeah. So, that doesn't really spoil anything for you as such, but... Once the, once the twist of the movie is revealed, you kind of go, oh, I get it. So I really root for that guy, M. Night Shyamalan. I root for him to make really good movies, because I know he's capable of it. Sixth Sense, obviously, but he made Unbreakable, which is an amazing film. Unbreakable is wonderful. Um, and Signs in the Village had their moments less than the sum of their parts. This, apparently, though, is just like a huge load. It's just like a big... That, I mean, I haven't seen it, but the word is that it's just a terrible... It's a stinker, Sarah. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from
0: AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. The tall ships are out of the coombs today. It's going to be at Vancouver Landing on the Columbia River, just downstream from the interstate bridge. A cannon salute will take place at 4 o'clock. It'll herald the arrival of Lady Washington, which was used as the British warship HMS Interceptor in Pirates of the Caribbean and her companion vessel, Hawaiian Chieftain, the sailing ships will then recreate 18th century sea battles three times on Memorial Day weekend, complete with blasting cannons. Tickets can be purchased uh, while space will last. And you can be on the ships during the battle. Wait, so this is happening where? In the Cove. They're going to have uh, battles on the Columbia. In the Nina? No, no, the Nina is separate. I have oh, okay, <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. All no, no, I heard no, you no. say, well, it's, because you were teasing I, like, the Nina is coming. That's another story not related to this. Okay, story. I thought we were, I, I was just, I was just... Didn't make yeah, any gonna sense there. Shoot from shoot on. Down the <laughs> we're going to bring in one of the replicas of Christopher Columbus's ship, <laughs> and then we're going to sink it.
0: i'm I'm gonna gonna see see that i can see why you would think that i would absolutely go to watch
1: that (laughs) that is
0: a great idea maybe maybe we should make a
1: few phone calls we're gonna bring (laughs) in the santa maria and then we're gonna set it on fire
0: if we can sink some of these ships
1: that'd be fun oh by the way uh we want to give a shout out to our man lenny who is listening to us right now in kuwait uh on the live stream hello lenny in kuwait
0: that's peaceful we liberated them and they appreciated it yeah Sorry about all the heat in the sand. I guess I should start talking. the, the microphone on. Yeah. Hi, Lenny. All right. all right, here's Tim Riley. So anyway, uh, they are going to be dark side tours if you want to go on these ships, and they leave the cube on May 29th to sail up to Willamette to visit the Rose Festival. So, that is not... The sea battle has nothing to do with the... <laughs> Although people are going to think that that's what's going on and go down there and expecting it. I'd
1: like to foster that illusion right
0: now. The Nina, Is uh, visiting Portland. Oh. Not the coup. It's a replica of the ship that Christopher Columbus sailed across the ocean blue when he discovered America. How do they know that it's a replica?
1: Are there photos?
0: Well, somebody remembers building it recently. (laughs) But no. No, not of the replica of the real ship.
1: Clearly they know what the replica looks like. How do they know what Christopher Columbus' ship looked like?
0: People drew pictures of these things. Check your uh, your elementary school textbooks. All right. If that's your story. So uh, he sailed on the tiny ship over 25,000 miles. The ship is docked at 5 Southeast Madison. Oh, it's over on the east side? It's over in the east side. I <laughs> can't be bothered. It's on the east side. I'm not walking that far beginning, for history. It's beginning tomorrow oh. until
1: Monday morning. Wait, is this another thing that's going to cause the stupid bridges to go up Friday afternoon during rush hour?
0: And then, after they get tired of being here, they will sell this thing to the coup, so it does have a chance of being shot down. So they,
1: so they could, let's, we should start urging that other ship right now to be preparing for battle. That's true. <laughs> hey, that other ship calls you stupid.
0: That'd be a great promotion. <laughs> Susan,
1: Susan, we need to start destroying historical relics.
0: Excellent. We have some banners left over one one. We can a hang a
1: huge, huge AM 970 banner on the side as it's sinking into the Columbia River.
0: The CBS Eye hanging from the tallest.
1: <laughs> as we're launching cannon fuselades into it.
0: That'd be great. I'd go to that. I would absolutely. We I'd need pay to for that. These
1: ships. You know what? I go to see that stupid thing at Treasure Island every time I go to Vegas where they sink the ship there, and that's not even real.
0: All right. Oh, wonderful. So to keep things authentic, the uh, Nina even has its own website, thenina.com. To keep things authentic, is it, uh, is it also going to bring smallpox and syphilis to everybody that goes to it see it? It could be, yes. All right. So uh, go and see these ships while they're uh, still not sunk yet.
1: Do it today, won't you?
0: Oh, then we have this out of Seattle. A drunk driver in Seattle realizes he shouldn't be behind the wheel and calls 911. 911,
14: uh, what are you reporting? I'm going up on stage to be driving. Okay. Where are you right now? Oh. Uh, why wouldn't you be safe?
0: Pretty drunk. so good. The driver says he uh, barely remembers being drunk.
15: I barely even remember driving up until the point, but I just remember thinking in my head like, Wow, I'm completely and utterly unsafe right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then I went up or try to reason with this uh, drunk driver calling.
10: I don't want
14: to get in trouble, man. I just don't want to... Okay, well you're gonna get in trouble if you continue yeah. to drive. Can you pull over for me? Sir? Yeah. Can you pull over for me so you're no longer driving? So I'm gonna get in trouble then too, aren't right? I? Okay, yeah, but you're not safe if you're driving when you're drunk. Yeah.
0: So he uh, continues to try to reason with this drink on the floor.
14: Can you pull over to the shoulder? I'm gonna get in trouble then too. Can you can you please pull over to the shoulder? It's not safe for you to be driving, you can get hurt if you keep driving. You're right.
0: So the driver gets the Bible word. I'm gonna
14: hang up with you, Mike. I just want you to talk to him, okay? Very Come to the deal.
0: Wait, so
1: did he get in trouble? That's what everybody wants to know. Yes. Oh, well, good for him.
0: (laughs) Uh, He he, uh, then directed the police to his location where he was arrested with a blood alcohol level of .18. That's twice the legal limit in Washington. So uh, he said the last thing he wanted to do was to kill somebody. So he feels uh, better that he pulled over. Well, all right. By the way, this is drive-nice day in Washington. Did you know that? Is it really? Yes. It's all about awareness. Um, drive Nice Day every
7: year is all about making people aware of the fact that their attitude, their behavior, can have an impact on safety on our highways.
0: So drive Nice in Washington,
1: but no, nowhere else. As soon as you get over here, you just turn into a raging bastard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yeah. Now, can I just say real quickly though? I was actually on the phone with Susan Reynolds at one point, and she was driving home, and she was trying to get somewhere quickly, and there was traffic. And I actually did hear you hear like the Chicago creep in. I actually heard she's like, "Hold on a second.
0: You bastard,
1: get out of my way <laughs> And she actually like screaming out the window at somebody. It was fantastic. Hello, Dan. How are you, sir?
3: Hey, pretty good, Rick. How you doing? What's up, brother? Uh funny situation happened today. I'm at work at KFC and uh there's a guy I overheard him talking about the Indiana Jones film last night. And uh funny thing is about the guy he said he was there at the late showing midnight or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh funny thing is I noticed he had a really bad case of Tourette's syndrome <laughs> and so I, I kind of thought Wow, I wonder. I wonder if uh, if anything was bugging you, Rick, while you're watching that. Did we,
1: sir, do we, sir? Do you know where he went? Did he go to the one in Tannisborn? Uh
3: He said. Uh, he said it was a uh, century, century something.
1: Oh, that would not have been us. There were no. midnight screenings all over. We were at the one at the uh, Regal, uh, the Evergreen in Tannersport.
3: I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be so funny if, if maybe someone was getting you. He never said anything about it, and then he, I, I'd run into him here at KFC. <laughs> I don't
1: think I've ever really. Has anybody here ever met anybody who really honestly had Tourette's? That's one of I don't those, think so. That's like nymphomania. That's one of those things that only exists in books and on, like, bad, like, it, like on house.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I can t- I'll tell you one thing. I can hear him from the other side of the store.
1: <laughs> just, just twitching up a storm.
3: <laughs> oh, man. And I tried to be cool talking to him. He, he actually was really cool. He did try not to spoil anything. I, I talked to him for a little bit about the movie. Does he
1: have spoiler Tourette's? That'd be a funny character on Mad TV. Spoiler yeah. Tourette's. Yeah.
3: Nicole Kidman's hey. ghost. Rosebud's a sled. <laughs> 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 Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> He said a lot of other things
1: but now when he has Tourette's does it does he is it profanity or is it just noises
3: a little bit of both uh he actually was more more noisy when I was talking to him so just but. sort of
1: a uh here's all I know about Tourette's is is what from what I know Kathy Bates a long time ago played a Tourette's victim on St. Elsewhere and her whole thing was that I think she said like racial slurs and then she also went like you know a lot just it was like weird like dog noises so is that kind it's of a, his deal
3: he, yeah, he kind of had a little
1: Ewok thing going on. An Ewok thing, jump, jump. Uh, <laughs>
3: he just swears, he just
1: swears in Houtini. All right, all right. Thank you, sir.
3: No problem. I know. Uh, yeah, just
1: nothing but jaw profanity. Tourette's is um well, whatever. We know somebody. I won't say who. We know somebody uh sort of associated with the program, and. Storm, at one point, told me aside, and I was like, does so-and-so have Tourette's? Because I think he might. Sort of like that moment when the others thought I had autism. So, and anybody, here's Jim Riley. Thought.
0: Well, since the 1970s, it's been a spot where people go for picnics, outings, and just a day of family fun. But Thrillville uh, was an amusement park with a variety of rides and other entertainment venues, but no more Uh, It is shut down. The park manager uh, blames hard economic times. One of the biggest tickets for the park uh, came from companies which booked uh, all their picnics there. But due to high gasoline prices, uh, people aren't going to Thrillville, which apparently is in uh, Marion County. It's uh, right off the I-5 south in Salem. Uh, Oh, it's right next to the Enchanted Forest. Have you
1: ever been to either of these? No, but the Enchanted Forest is a thing that we would drive by. My parents would never stop there.
6: Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We would just see it at the window. Go, but the enchanted. The one Earth, off Earth, of I-5. Yeah, and then my yeah, parents. I think the other one was little. The and I never got the. I would say, look, there's the enchanted forest. And my dad go, isn't that something? And then he just keep driving. It
6: was totally creepy. There's like a little gnome village, and there um, uh, there's like a, a little town that's. It was even falling apart when I was a kid. Uh, are there really. real
0: people dressed up as gnomes.
6: Mm, there were people dressed up as gnomes, and there was like a a haunted house as well. It was Is it, really. What, it was a strange. Was strange it one of those places place. that
1: was creepy, not intentionally?
6: Yes, it was. It was totally it's creepy. Falling apart, creepy. Yeah, everything's porcelain, and they're like you know like little. Like porcelain mushrooms and gnomes and stuff. Kind
1: of a something wicked this way comes mm-hmm. kind of a vibe. All right. Those that places never really hold up. It's like a, on my way, when Lar and I went fishing uh, a couple of weeks ago, we passed, like, you know, Candy World or whatever. But it's like a bad plywood sign that says Candy World. that's sort of flaking away to nothing.
0: Uh, here's Tim Riley. And another thing. Uh, what's next for Steve Novick? After all, he's, uh, for, for nearly 15 months... Uh, He was, well, he was getting a lot of press. Willamette Week, all the weeklies, all the dailies. But now, he's not ruling out a future political run. You never say never. You never know when you're going to get another chance. So what's next? Uh, He could be a solid congressional candidate, particularly if Earl Blumenauer, uh, an early supporter of Barack Obama, were to leave his Portland area seat for a job with the Obama administration. There's also likelihood that a new congressional seat could be created in the metro area, uh, thanks to population growth. And, uh, well, that's it for now. So, I want to talk to him in the next couple days. I
1: think we're trying to get him on the show Friday. Uh, that will be tomorrow. Uh, uh, Richie has been, man, Richie's just been, a, uh, he's just been a, a, a crackling explosion of guest booking recently. So, we have Ger- a great white coming in today. Tomorrow, uh, he got a Sam Adams yesterday. And I think tomorrow we may be talking to Steve Novick. He may be coming into the studio, but I'm, I'm unsure about that. He's sort of on the road. He's kind of busy trying to figure out his next step right now. So
0: Ah, this ethanol thing seems to be a big crock. If, have you been to the gas pumps lately and says it's 10% ethanol? Well, it turns out that it gives you terrible gas mileage. Uh, as a matter of fact, it gives you one-third less energy than gasoline and reduces vehicle mileage on the road. So not only are you paying these high prices and getting this ethanol stuff, 10% of your gasoline here at the pumps, it's decreasing your gas mileage. I don't even really know what we're talking about. So what, <laughs> what
1: do you mean I'm getting 10% ethanol?
0: If you go get some gas, right. look at the gas pump, uh-huh. 10% ethanol.
1: And is that supposed to be doing me a favor? Is it uh, supposed uh, to be good? So, yes. Mm-hmm. But it's not?
0: It's blended with gasoline. It cuts into your gas mileage, according to the official estimates. And uh, Congress is holding hearings into why oil and food prices are skyrocketing, and they say the culprit is ethanol. Uh, Brian Jennings, I wonder if he's the one. <laughs>
1: Brian Jennings for, for the
0: American Ethanol you Coalition. You need to
1: talk more about
14: ethanol.
0: Argues that much of the fuel's bad reputation comes from competing industries.
14: And as we grow, we threaten the market no, not share of oil Brian companies Jennings. and and other users of corn, and they're going to fight back.
0: So yeah, they make this out of corn. So ethanol, and that's bad. A- apparently, it is because. Uh, because
1: it's, it's cutting into my gas mileage. And, so is this a thing that they're adding, claiming that it's that it's going to increase my gas mileage, but in fact it just costs more and it doesn't really do me well, any good?
0: They're not they're not saying that it's supposed to increase your gas mileage. They haven't talked about that at all, but they're trying to introduce some alternative fuels. Oh, I regulars. see.
1: And so it's an alternative
0: fuel. that's just not as good. Right. All right. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Uh, the nation's largest ethanol manufacturing firm says an attack on ethanol is an attack on all of agriculture. If
15: this industry falls out of favor... It will
1: affect every ag business in America and and long-term on the planet Earth. So there. So there you go. I think there ought to be something called corn Mm Mhm. Made from corn, corn Whatever.
0: So apparently ethanol contains approximately 34% less energy per unit than gasoline. So therefore, it's giving you bad gas mileage they right. costing you any less. Uh,
1: well, again, I, uh, my, uh, I did realize yesterday kind of how out of touch and old I am because I had taken the car, because I knew I was going to have to drive to Tannisport last night, so I'd taken the car to work as opposed to the truck, left the truck at home, and, you know, my wife and I have this constantly ongoing this romantic battle about one of us always leaving the truck or the car on empty. And I don't want to be that guy, but I realized that I had not put that much gas in the truck, and I realized that there was, you know, it, it was it only had a few miles left before the little ding, ding, ding thing came on. So... I left my this is how this is how long it's been since I've really stopped to ponder the gas prices that are out there now. I actually left my wife $10. I go, "No, no, no, baby, it's all right. I left you $10 for gas." And she actually took a photo of the gas pump as she was putting in the ten dollars and sent it to me, She's so like, hey, big man, here's what ten dollars got me. It's like the needle hadn't even moved. Yeah, it gives you like <laughs> an eighth of a tank. It's that much. It's, I just, I felt like, I mean, I felt so old. And she actually said to me, she goes, you know, you're not twelve anymore. When you leave me some gas money, why don't you leave me more than ten dollars worth, huh? Big it, spender. It's
0: like leaving her a penny for a tooth. <laughs> it's I
1: know. So she took this great, she took this picture where the needle had just had just kind of gone. Deep, and that was it. That was, the, that was the extent of it. Jesus. Corner Hall. Uh,
3: let's see here. What do we have?
1: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program.
3: Hey, how are you doing? What's up? Uh, Christopher Columbus's boat and how they knew what it looked like.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: They used to, like, mass-produce those things, so they still have the drawings from the original boat.
1: So they mass-produced ships yes. in, in the 1400s? Like a Toyota. Well, like... like exactly uh, like that. Instead
3: of, you know, putting out thousands, they'd put out, like, 12.
1: So it was sort of a relative mass-production. Yes. All right. So, I, well, and I guess that was, and that was Spain, right? Yes. Yeah, and so, Spain, they would still have, I guess, maybe the blueprints or something laying around.
3: Yeah, because they had to file. I mean, it was a government boat, so all that stuff is, you know, back in the archives
1: somewhere. Can I? Can I say this? Here's a great idea. One of many great ideas I've had recently. Okay. Why the, Why hasn't somebody built? And this might sound like a bad idea, but why hasn't somebody built a replica of the Titanic? I mean, except for that whole sinking part.
3: Well, you know, it had a sister ship. Uh, the sister ship
1: was the Atlantic.
3: I don't. What the hell the was the Moritania. sister ship? What? I think it was the
1: the Mauritania. The Mauritania. So why hasn't somebody uh, fixed you know that one little problem they had and then built a replica of the Titanic? You know that there's people who would spend money to sail on on like a on, on, a, on you know a replica of the Titanic.
3: Yeah. I'm going to name it the Titanic though.
1: No, it's Titanic two. All right, thank you. All right,
0: there you go. That's a great idea. Would you
1: sail on a replica of the Titanic? Sure. See, Tim? You bet. I would totally do that. I don't even like the water. So I'm kind of amazed that nobody has done that. I mean, how much could it cost to build a ship? I mean, they crank out ships all the time.
6: Well, you know, there are, like, a lot of bad memories associated with that, you know. I suppose, but I mean, it would
1: be a piece of history. People would absolutely do it.
6: Yeah, but it is kind of depressing.
1: I mean, it's depressing, but at the same time, I mean, it, it, it was apparently, you know, the height of luxury and the whatever, and I think there's a lot of people who would pay to say that they had the experience. to say Because then people can go, I saw what they saw. I lived what they lived. You know, or whatever.
0: It's like asking NASA to build a new Apollo 13. <laughs> can you build a new Challenger? Uh, I'm sure people love to ride on it.
1: <laughs> One way. <laughs> that is a great idea. <laughs> is it too soon? <laughs> Well, the Titanic was like a thousand years ago. It's not too soon for that. All right. You know, there are no Titanic jokes. No. You know, no. I'm just saying, it's funny that you mentioned. Uh, it's hilarious. To, it's funny that you mentioned the that, NASA because look, we can all we're all adults. We can talk about this. I was, uh, however old, when the Challenger blew up, and immediately, like five minutes later, there were NASA jokes. Right? Uh, I He's mean, told by you. Well, being retold by me, certainly. Um so when I was a kid, I don't think Krista McAuliffe's body had even hit the water, and there were jokes being told in the schoolyard about NASA. Uh, I will not repeat them here. Uh, I, there, you know, I'm trying to think of other horrible things that have happened recently about which there were jokes. I mean, there were Anna Nicole Smith jokes. Uh, there were. I mean, I know that uh, not this program, but I know there were other uh, sort of edgy shock jock programs around the country that did all sorts of, uh, you know, this sort of off-putting alleged humor uh, after, you know, a certain time after 9-11 had happened. Gilbert Godfrey tried to open that roast he did with a 9-11 joke. So I'm just saying, isn't it funny there are no Titanic jokes? Have you ever heard a Titanic joke, Sarah?
6: I don't think so. We should make I don't an... really associate with anybody who would we... deem it Titanic. Oh, that joke is a lie.
0: Funny. That is a lie. But what that happened so long seen? ago.
1: I suppose, but I mean... But maybe it's, maybe that's what it'll make it. I mean, you know? I
0: mean it, it's like asking for Abraham Lincoln assassination jokes. <laughs> you are a little dated, Rick. I'm saying this is how
10: we differentiate. ourselves. get topical.
1: <laughs> I need. I, are there any Panama Canal <laughs> jokes at all? All
10: the
0: people dying of malaria. That, that would be about the same time, wouldn't it?
1: I need Krakatoa jokes. Well, whatever. It was just an idea, you bastards. I'm just trying to be funny in a way that's not being done by everybody else. Titanic jokes. Whatever you know, b- start sending them now. No, I want to hear you. Can come I up tell with you? Look, look, you sons of bitches! <laughs> Bill Maher is going to do this as a sketch someday, and people will think it's hilarious. One of these days.
6: into it. I want to hear your Titanic joke. Someday
1: there's going to be like a sketch uh, where some some guy in the Jon Stewart show does like a does like a wacky sort of sketch comedy, and he's going to be like, "What if there were stand up comedians in 1912?" And then they'll cut to some guy like on vaudeville going, blah blah blah, Titanic, blah, blah, blah. I barely knew her, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody will laugh. And somebody'll go, Oh, that John Stewart. He's so cutting edge. I'm trying to do it now, and all I get repa rep- repaid with scorn. Rick, I I just was, just want... It would be classic comedy central, but it's <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic comedy central.
0: <sighs>
1: Whatever. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Say who wants five dollars gasoline? Me. All right, you might get it. Wait, no, we... no, 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 too late. I can't take it back. We've already hit $4 gasoline <laughs> oh. in the suburbs. Thank like you for answering me without thinking. So, I mean, how much further can you go before we have mass rioting? Well, I saw, oh, all right, I don't even. Is there any fix,
6: is there any way to fix no, this?
0: No, no, see. No, there's no way to fix it. All right, can I have a seat? How about some gas <laughs> rationing jokes? <laughs> what does it say right there? I can't read that far away. What does that, what does that line of that email say? Talk more about gas, okay? <laughs>
1: Laura and I had this, I don't want to call it a fight, but we had a little bit of a disagreement last night because we were uh, because we were driving, uh, I, was it last night? I think it was, yeah, because we, we'd we gone out last night before I went to the movie and we were driving home and we drove by a gas place and she's like, hey, gas is however much it is now. I don't even know how much it is. How much is a gallon of gas? I sound like a politician. Four she, bucks. Four bucks. Yeah. And she said, gas is four bucks. And I said, yeah, that sucks. And then, and then she said, well, you should be angrier about this. And I said... It sucks, but what am I, you know, what am I going to say? Like, it's not like she was, she was saying that she's surprised that I don't talk more about how expensive gas it's is. It's just
6: depressing. I mean, what can we do about it?
1: That was my take. And, and she said, well, look, I've heard you talk about the state of network television for like five hours, and that's just stupid. And I said that if you're talking about something like network TV shows or a movie or something, there's lots you can say. You can discuss the state of television, how it used to be. There's all sorts of, to use that example. Talking about a bad TV show, there's a million things you can say about a bad TV show, right? In fact, you and I will talk about more of this later. Sarah and I this morning were talking about a particular show that we find to be bad. And there's a lot you can say. My point to Lara was that, that what can you say about about that? Yes, it's too expensive. I wish it was less. It's not the end. Like, there's really nothing else I can say. It is like saying, isn't it hot today? Why, yes, it is. Done. I, I mean, it, there's only so much you can say about gas being $4 a gallon before you are the, you know, uh, it's not the heat, it's the humidity guy. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing was that it seems like there's more to say about the price of gas than well, we're saying. Did she have more to say? No, she it? didn't. I kept saying, like, well, like what? Like what? And she goes, I don't know. You're the talk show host. So um, so that being said. Talk more about gas. That being said, I wrote it to myself that Lara wants me to talk more about the price of gas because she thinks that's relatable. And I said that everybody is sort of talking about it in the sense that everybody kind of goes, yeah, that blows. But as Sarah just said, there's not much to say beyond that. Like, there's really nothing you can say once you have noted that it's way too expensive mm-hmm. and it didn't used to be. Um, so the only thing I actually can say is that there was some story on drugs this morning where the guy was saying, well, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to $12 a gallon gas, which leads to this one point that I made last night. The the only point I could really say, and because she, she accuses me of not caring that gas is too expensive... Because whenever people complain about gas, I go, well, yeah. But but then again, as Sarah said, it's just because there's nothing you can do. It, it is not a thing about which you can complain beyond just stating the obvious. The only thing I will say is that as the price of gas gets higher and higher and higher, you just nailed it. My only thing is when is it going to get so high that people finally just say, F this, and there's an uprising? Yeah. I mean, that's the question, but I don't really
0: know. But we're It not... happen in some uh, Soviet country. I mean, something would have happened by now. Yeah,
1: I mean we're not we're not there yet. I mean it, this is like we often say about ga- uh, about cigarette prices, um, which what does is
0: hope. Think about this.
1: <laughs> the it, cause cigarette, how much a pack of cigarettes now with all told yeah. with tax?
6: Like around five bucks. Five and, bucks. And people pay
0: it.
1: But it's like would people pay ten dollars a pack for cigarettes? Probably. Yeah.
6: They do in yeah. New York and London. There you right. go.
1: So would people pay ten dollars a gallon of gas? Yes, they absolutely would. And uh, you know, and 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 Laura said, well, you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm picking on Laura. I'm just saying I think she and I have different. She thinks there's more to this that meets the eye here, and I don't think there is. She said, well, it's changing people's behavior patterns, and I said, it's, it's really not. When people claim that the price of gas is changing their life, I think anecdotally, like we can all find some friend we know who's bicycling or some guy who wants to sell his car. But you know what? Every time people are complaining about the price of gas, you know when they're doing that, when they're there buying gas, people haven't stopped buying gas. And I got to tell you as a guy who drove today, the roads full of cars every single day. I'm sure there are some people who are trying to drive less or taking mass transit, but it's not like it's created some big change in the way Americans live. I mean about every year there's something that happens to this country that's supposed to Remember after the um after the after the hurricane, the levees broke in New Orleans, you know, oh, yeah. This is going to change America's view on, you know, we're going to have an honest discussion about race in this country now that uh now that the hurricane happened. That didn't that, that never took place. No. I mean, remember after 9-11, suddenly we were going to have no differences in this country. 9-11 really brought us all together. We can never live the same way again. We're living the same way now. Nothing changes. So the price of gas has not changed, I don't think, anybody's behavior in a real way. And I think people would pay $10 a gallon. They'd bitch about it, but they'd still do it. So I don't know what – What? it's a good question you have, but I don't know. I mean, at what price, at what price per gallon would Americans finally stand up and just revolt against the government? I mean, I have no answer. So I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, so blah blah blah. So there's my more talk and about just, gas. And, and,
6: and like, I don't, and I don't like to talk about that. And it just tires me it, out. It, it's tiring and it's frustrating, and then it just makes you there's there's no good to come of it. it just,
0: I think we should all take a nap.
6: <laughs> I'm
1: a big believer of that. Would you settle for taking a break?
0: Oh, is it that time? It is.
6: It's
1: twelve thirty-five. Then we'll be back to talk more about gas. Fantastic. Let's talk about gas constantly.
6: Five oh three. We've Bristol sounder while talking about gas. Absolutely, be the best while ever. hitting
1: ourselves in the in the feet with ball peen hammers. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll come back after this. We'll talk to uh, uh, whoever these people are that are waiting. Stay there. Back with your calls. More of Tim Riley, Great White later on the top five and more. It's the Rick Emerson Show. the Rick Emerson radio program. Five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Later on, uh a radio correspondent James Roop National Enquirer correspondent Dorothy Carcassari, Top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Great white in the studio. Hi you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey Rick. What's up? Tim,
9: Sarah. Hello. Um that Irish guy uh, have you spoke with him before? I think you have some time ago. Yeah, like we. Uh,
1: he sent us a bumper a long time ago that we played once and then accidentally deleted and never played again.
9: Oh, so it's gone? Because I was going to hit the rock and roll pizza tomorrow, and I was kind of... Yeah,
1: running. he sent us something, and it was like a show open. Uh, and then we. It,
6: it, oh, the Irish guy? Yeah,
1: he sent us a show open... And then I had it, and I deleted it, and I think Sarah deleted it because she thought that I'd kept mine. And so the upshot is, like, we don't have because it. Because so. we can't keep
6: anything in our email, or else everything gets bounced out.
1: So there are mighty three megabytes of storage capacity here at CVS, so.
6: Oh,
9: well, that's too bad. I wanted to see what I was getting myself into tomorrow night. <laughs> that's well, the spirit. Thanks. Right, this thanks. This is a twitch, by the way. A twitch? <laughs> yeah, he did some kind of funky uh, Tourette's thing and. It, it it was it really threw me off guard. I did not know what to
1: do. I mean, when he answered the phone, Richie's having a bit of a day. He's trying to coordinate several things going on at once. Richie does uh, many things behind the scenes that people aren't privy to. All
0: right. Well, thanks, Rick. Uh, thanks. <laughs> all right. They're so understanding. <laughs> really. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>.
4: All
0: right. <laughs> it's fine. Here's Tim Riley. Bring back those children of polygamy. A Texas appeals court said the state had no right to take more than 400 children away from that polygamous sect ranch. A ruling that could unravel into one of the biggest child custody cases in U.S. history. So they're trying to decide what to do with it, because these kids are scattered all over the place in cruel foster homes statewide. So how do you bring them back and reunite them with their families? So now we're told uh, they shouldn't have done it in the first place, and they have no right to do so. And I mean, why bring these kids into captivity? Their lives are ruined anyway.
1: It's a wash. It really is. So now
0: they have to gather them all together and hand them back out to wherever they came their from.
1: their nutcase parents. Uh-huh. Have they even done, I mean, uh, so much to keep track of. The news is hard. Um, is, I don't even know what's happening with that. So are the kids all...
0: They've been put in foster homes. But I
1: mean, were there underage girls, like, being forced to have kids or not? Like, I, I, am I the only one that doesn't know? Like, what is the deal? Were there, like... Thirteen-year-old girls forced into having babies themselves with old guys, or or not? No one has ever
0: said. Let's see. It says here, roughly of the third of a, ch- a third of the children taken from the ranch, only a few dozen were teenage girls. Of the 31 originally believed to be underage mothers, 15 have been reclassified as adults. One was 27 years old. Well, how, how could they make a mistake like that? Apparently, they thought a 27-year-old was underage. Wait. So that of the how many girls? And then the state uh, conceded a 14-year-old girl had no children and was not pregnant. All right. So, but of the 30 girls, so 15 of them still were underage. It says roughly a third of the children, yeah. A third of the
1: children. So that's like 10, 12. Well, 10, 12 underage girls being, how many do you need to, to be illegal? Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many underage girls forced into some weird sex agreement does it take for the government to decide that maybe you ought to be locked up?
0: They um, ought to just send them back. They I, would unravel this. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, what good would these people be? At the end of this,
1: and the kids probably, as you you just know, the kids are like those kids in the Austrian dungeon. I mean, really, there's going to be a whole. It's not like they're going to be running for president anytime soon. I mean, really, what, what, what are you like? And I go to. They're all going to go work at a Walgreens somewhere. I mean, it's. I don't really know that they're going to integrate into society all that well. So, all right. So that's that. I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Is there something? <laughs> Are you there, sir? I guess not. Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the, oh, you're on hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
7: Uh is not sure if I'm on with you, Rick, or if I'm yes, not so on the Yes, you are
1: hold. you are on the radio, ah, sir. Hello. Okay,
7: thank you. All right. Hey, um you were talking about uh, the price of gas a little bit ago. And why the <laughs> price of gas is important? I'm sorry, <laughs> Not, you, just, okay. you just you just piss me off so much. Normally, I find you you know at worst you know slightly amusing, but this time wait at worst I'm poor. hold
1: on. I have to get have to at get that, I have to get the baseline here. What do you yes. at worst I'm slightly worst amusing. At
7: you're at least slightly amusing.
1: What am I? What reminder. am I at best?
7: At best, you're completely hilarious. So
1: even just now, when I was pissing you off, I was slightly amusing. Well, no. This time you went even. Well, no, no, no. If uh, at worst I'm slightly at worst, amusing. Had been slightly. Oh, amusing. this is a past. So we're resetting the. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so right. We're
7: resetting the bar, and we've dropped it down about forty notches below okay. your your worst day. All right. It, you, you came across as a complete and utter moron. Um, the well, that's gas... that's
1: nitpicking, though, isn't it? I mean, really.
7: Oh, a uh, complete and utter moron is just opposed to a moron. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got you. Um, it's the price of gas, it's not so much the gas itself, what it actually is. It's, it's why it's it so high.
1: Uh huh. I'm listening. Go ahead.
7: The, who's making it go so high? It's the the, the oil companies. They're making outrageous profits. Right. Their profits are higher now than they've ever been. Why do they have to make so much profit and screw
16: us over? I believe it's called greed.
1: I was going to say it runs rampant. It really it is it's greed and capitalism, sir. It's the same thing. It's the same reason that your coffee is five dollars at Starbucks because they own the coffee and they charge what they want. Buy it or don't.
7: Well, I don't. So.
1: Well, there you go. So I guess I don't understand what your here's the thing. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I don't understand what your bone of contention is, sir.
7: My bone of contention is that I feel that these oil companies are making unfair profits. They're profiteering on this current situation. And as such, they shouldn't be allowed to do so. Wait,
1: what do you mean they're profiteering on the current situation?
7: Well, um...
1: That seems like a redundant statement.
7: Yeah, you're right. It was a little over- So
1: I guess, here's what I don't understand. What is it I said that you feel to be Incorrect.
7: Not that, in, not that it was incorrect, it's just your total apathy of, in the, about the situation.
6: It's not that I'm... At, it, it, there's there's apathetic, and then there's also like, well, you're sitting here, you're calling a radio station, we're talking about it, they're still making money, it, I mean, there's it's nothing not, we can do. Yeah, it's
1: not that I'm apathetic about it. it. What would you have me do, sir?
7: What would I have you do? Just add to the protest. Help us get somebody in office that will teach these idiots not to be such thieves, not that anybody actually can do that, but, you know, we can try.
1: So it can't be done, but you to, want to me do, to do it?
7: Yes. Exactly. So, <laughs> do you see
1: why I'm having yeah. difficulty figuring yeah, out I, your, your it, point, it, sir? It sounds
7: completely stupid. All but...
1: right, so take, take another run at it. What is it you want me to do, even though you acknowledge it can't be they done? They want you
7: to set up a class and educate yeah, these people. I don't know the exact answer. That's okay,
1: but you want me to do it regardless. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the success of your call today, sir?
7: Hey, I, I sound almost as big an idiot as you do.
1: You know, at worst, you were mildly amusing, though. <laughs> well, all right, I tried.
7: Uh, I'm not very good at getting my point across.
0: So,
1: no,
7: But thank you, Rick. I thank you. It. No, no,
0: no. Show, Pleasure thanks.
1: was all mine. Thanks.
0: <laughs> so right. due to general apathy by the general public, you are called upon to fix the situation. <laughs> okay, I've been pressed into but clearly my country so they needs want you me, to Tim. Spend, they want you to set up a class. And some of the CEOs of these oil companies and teach them a lesson not to be as greedy as they are. Really? Have you ever... And I'm talking about... How many about, credit hours would this be? It's like... Have, have, have people ever really listened to this
1: show? I mean, we I was just... We just solve the world's I was,
0: problems every day, normally.
1: I was just soliciting for Titanic jokes. I mean, really. I think you've maybe misread the type of program you're listening to. Wow. wow. All right. Well, that's uh, 503-733-2978. Well, people think
0: highly of you enough to ask you to <laughs> yeah. solve the world's problems i'm a power broker tim you're I... not asked to fix potholes <laughs> you're asked to fix oil prices well that's the other thing it, it, i mean i guess and and there's a, a loose dock in my neighborhood too. <laughs> <laughs> done about that. i've
1: got this pain all up and down my left side my i wish somebody would do something and can you get my son myron to call me
5: Jesus. All right.
1: Now, see, I'm looking at the phones. Here's the thing. All of these calls coming in are just going to be calls wanting to yell at that guy. I can already tell no, you. No, they want
0: to yell at you. Hi, you're <laughs> on the Rick... Because I'm
1: not doing enough to make the world a better place. Hi, Rick, you're on the Rick Emerson yeah. Show. Hey, Rick. At least my wife will be happy. We're doing nothing but talking about gas now. Huzzah. Hello, sir.
16: Hello. No, you're not. The world is much sadder because you're not doing enough.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad right. I can contribute to the downward spiral.
16: Yeah. Hey, anyway, Um. just... There's only two reasons why gas prices are so high.
1: And Let's discuss them at great length now. Can you give, like, uh, footnotes as we go along?
16: Um, the, one of the problems is there's not <laughs> enough refineries. It's one of the problems. And the other problem is, is there's, like, 48 different gas blends by law in the United States. Okay. There's three different gas blends just for California.
1: No, I mean, these are all, I would say, to, to address and, this call seriously, these are all fair points that. There are, as Jack Webb would say in the opening of Dragnet, there are those who got it and there are those who want it. And there are also you know, lots of regulations and there's environmental concerns and there's, uh, you know, there are the fact that we have to get our oil from places like Canada, but we also get our oil from places like uh, the Middle East. So there's, there's all of that. But really, it, the bottom issue is there are two things, as I see it. One, A, it is a capitalist culture. And those who own the oil will sell it uh, for the highest price. It
0: goes all the way back to Rockefeller. They can,
1: yes. And B, uh, America just won't get its collective act together and find a different way to power things. That's it. No,
16: That's true. I mean, if if it wasn't for the the hippies in the 60s, we would have plenty of nuclear power plants in order to power (laughs) our electric cars.
1: Someday when we are all flying in cars high above the city, traveling along on people movers and eating meals of capsules... Yes. And just
16: as a side note, um, you you guys are really funny. i I've, I've just given up cleaning the coffee off my dashboard.
1: <laughs> Excellent, thank you, sir.
16: You
5: bet.
1: Thank you, my friend. All right. Will it make me sound like a jerk if I just uh, say, please, no more calls about gas? No. I won't. No. Please no more calls about gas. Because
6: I mean, we we know why now. but I think we've learned everything that we can about the situation. We know where all the money's going. Sarah, we we've learned this. something today. We all have learned something. All
0: right, uh, that is the, we, the only way the situation is going to change is if you figure out a system to use your own bodily waste to fuel what you need. Please work on that now, everyone. Please begin using
1: your own feces uh, oh, or urine if that's more your bag uh, to begin power, or or perhaps your, your flatus. If you have some sort of gaseous emission from your body that's plaguing you, you just need to figure out how to make the power of your hair dryer, and everything will be fine. Correct. Wow. All right, so if you're on hold about gas, please don't take this the wrong way when I say get bent. Uh, that, not, no, so not no, get bent do so much. We're just, we're going to, we're going to move on. We're move forward. We're going to be transitioning to a different series of subjects now. If you're not Mr.
0: Shell or Mr. Exxon, yes, nothing that can be done about it. Uh,
1: so please, um,
0: pay your bill or you'll pay, well, the balance and interest.
1: We're moving on from gas calls. So please, if you were calling or holding or whatever about gas, we're, we're going to move on to something else now. So thanks so much though. And I mean that sincerely, but the, the, that time has passed. It's 503 733 on KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Wow, it's almost 1 o'clock already. Another Hollywood star has signed on to the new movie about President Bush. Of course, Richard Dreyfuss is going to play Dick Cheney, the Oliver Stone-directed W. And uh, Josh Brolin, uh, the uh, square jock-headed guy that uh, Sarah Lyons is playing the president. Um, Wait, what jack-headed
1: guy? Uh, The box-headed guy? Yeah. What jack-headed guy? What does that even mean? Uh,
0: Jock-headed guy.
1: Oh, jock. Oh, I think he did jack-headed. Oh, Josh Brolin. Yeah, he's great. He was great in No Country for Old Men.
0: Yeah. Elizabeth Banks will play the first lady Laura Bush. I'm not familiar with her. Sandy Newton, not to be confused with Sandy Newton. That's not a speech impediment. Her name is Sandy Newton. Will play uh, Lisa Rice and Ellen Burstyn will play the president's mother Barbara. It'll focus on uh, W's Life from his early party years to his battle of alcohol and his decisions as uh, president. It's going to arrive in theaters this October. Wow, well, that's soon.
1: Have you seen those? How is um, that possible? I don't know, but don't you feel like it's I don't know. Maybe it's not too early. I feel because it's right before the election. Uh So maybe this is Oliver Stone's sort of Fahrenheit 9-11, his his attempt to sort of swing the vote this fall. But does anybody want to go see a movie about George Bush, even a critical one? No. That's like another gas conversation. (laughs) I mean, I'm just done with it. I mean, fine. You like him. You don't like him. You know, you think he's great or you think he's awful. Let's we can all agree to move on. It's like I just don't. Although, have you seen those photographs of Josh Brolin as W? Oh, it's it. pretty creepy, oh, actually. I think I have. Uh I wonder if you see the photographs of Josh Brolin in his George W. Bush getup. Uh, it's kind of, it's a little weird. It's kind of freaky to look at. So he does a, he does a pretty good job. Oh, well, all right.
0: Is anyone familiar with the uh, the shoe company Zappos?
1: Yes, I am Tim Riley. Zappos. Uh, the shoes I am wearing right now came from Zappos.com. dot uh, I paid a, uh, a reasonable price for them, and they were delivered the following morning via overnight mail.
0: Well, of course, they're very customer-intensive. They are. And after an intensive four-week training period that compensates new employees with their full salary, the company presents the freshly trained group with something called the offer. And it goes like this. If you quit today, we will pay you for the amount of time you work, plus we will offer you a $1,000 bonus. Now, Zappos is testing the commitment of its employees from the get-go because it realizes the importance of a strong call center team, and that's the only customer service experience for an online uh, customer. It is kind of a cool thing, actually. I guess they've been. I was reading this article yesterday. I guess they've been doing
1: this at Zappos for a while. The deal is Zappos, which is uh, 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 I, I have no vested interest in this, but it's Zappos.com. Z A P P O S.com. That's right. These shoes I'm wearing now it came right from there. And I think Aaron buys a lot of shoes there. Sarah does as well. I do Tim, indeed. Tim, have you purchased shoes from
0: Zappos? No, I, I buy shoes that last for years, and I just keep resoling them and rehealing them. Good for you. Do you do that yourself? Like no, at home with a hammer? No, no I mean oh. <laughs> I was
1: picturing you, picturing you cobbling at home. No, no. <laughs> I was I was picturing you at home with like one of those little workbenches and like a like a like a leather tool belt uh-huh. and a like a bunch of nails in your mouth.
0: Oh no, I don't get going, going that
1: far. Don't
0: come in now, I'm cobbling. <laughs> uh, but well, there it, are shoe places that'll do that for you. Drop them off in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon, they're perfect like new. Always be cobbling. So Zappos is a really great place, but I guess what the deal is
1: is they hire people at Zappos. They give you their full training, which is like four or five weeks at Zappos. At the end of the training, they come to you, and it was originally hundred, then it was five hundred, now it's up to a thousand. At the end of the training, they come to you and they go, look, uh, we've, you know, and they pay for your training. You are paid while you're being trained. At the end of your training period at Zappos, they come up to you and they're like, we'll give you a thousand bucks to quit right now, and they'll pay you a thousand dollars if you quit then and there. And they said about, uh, about 30% of the people take it and run. And the deal is they figure if you're willing to pass up $1,000 to keep working at the company, then you're going to be a good employee. And if you're not, if you're willing to take the $1,000 to get out the door, then they have saved money by not having you around and flake out on them later. And they've, they've been able to free up a slot for somebody who's going to be a better employee. It's actually, it's pretty cool, actually. So uh, uh, we won't be doing that here, by the way. But that is, that's a pretty great. And I have to say... Uh, This is not a paid endorsement or plug or whatever. When I got shoes at Zappos, I was unbelievably happy with the service I received. So uh, good for them. Well done.
6: I am every time. It's like Christmas every time you order it. Like if you get it out before 11, like that day, like if, if I got it out before like 11 or 12, I think today I could already have them sent here in, by the morning tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'd, oh. I'd, I'd purchase so these shoes. Addictive.
1: I forget the name of the, what is the brand Dunham, which is I think the male, I think it's the, the sort of dress shoe version of New Balance. It's like a sister company. And I'd purchased these Dunham shoes, uh, these, these leather shoes in Seattle, uh, which were great, but then I tore the toe. Uh, I tripped and I caught the toe of the shoe on something and I tore the leather. Uh, and then all you can really do at that point is to get it glued down in wax. It doesn't really, uh, it, you know, it never really, you can never really fix it. And I just, I was just uh, it was just in agony about these shoes that I loved. And uh, I went to Zappos at, on Sarah's recommendation, and they were right there. Bam, ordered them. I had them here the next day. I had them sent right to the studio, and I put them on at the beginning of the show. It was a magical day. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Bob, can you imagine the tornado in Colorado? I think it's pretty unheard of. Isn't it a big tornado? plowing through a swath of northern Colorado, north of Denver today. At least one person killed damaging buildings, home, agricultural equipment, and several towns. This happened 50 miles north of Denver, which is, uh, I guess, very rare. I didn't think they got... I thought the
1: mountains or whatever sort of prevented all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever. All right, here's Tim Riley.
0: Global tornadoes. Uh, Barack Obama is uh, back in the news again today. Uh, What has he done? Well, he's uh, trying to pick out a vice presidential candidate. Uh, People asked him about it, and... uh, he didn't want to talk very much about it
10: uh, the, no criteria right now I'm going back down to Florida I still have to win a nomination
0: so that's
1: that and Hillary by the way was uh, interviewed yesterday and she was sort of hinting that she was going to take it all the way to the convention that she was going to uh, fight it all the way to the convention so you you go Hillary uh let's see here what are we I'm looking at the calls we have <sighs> polygamist purple pie man mm-hmm. mystery call something purple about pie man
6: well, the fine, peculiar then. purple pie man. Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
10: Hi. Hey. Yeah, hey, yeah. I was gonna call. It was right when you, when they put me on hold. I was gonna tell you to stop talking about gas. And so that's when you said we're not taking any more calls about gas. So I had nothing to talk about. So I just to tell you that I think that the purple pie man is like the creepiest thing that any humans ever invented.
1: What is the purple pie man, Sarah?
6: Are you talking about the strawberry shortcake thing?
10: Yeah, that that uh, the evil guy on there, the creepiest thing I've ever seen. I don't in my remember life.
6: what he looks like, but I remember the peculiar purple pie man of Porcupine Peak, right? You're a nerd. Why was, why was, he, always,
10: why was he always chasing after these little girls that smelled like fruit?
6: Is it you? Smell like you smell like pie.
10: <laughs> you yeah, exactly. uh, is how
1: Is he the villain on Strawberry Shortcake? Yeah.
10: Yeah, he always had
6: cherry pie all- smeared all over his mouth. <gasps> he did. He was totally creepy. Wait, I'm looking him up now.
1: The the, percu- the peculiar purple pie man. The of...
6: porcupine peak.
1: And he was the vi- was he the primary villain or the only villain, Sarah?
6: I think he was wasn't he the only one, sir?
10: I
1: don't know. He I was just the thought... gargamel of the. Uh, uh... Well, wow,
6: like my reflexes, I'm I'm like so deviated to just being a kid again that I like smelled strawberry shortcake when I was looking <laughs> at.
10: So, what did Gargamel have against the Smurfs anyway? I mean, what was the purpose of this? How can he foil that? How can those little things be so. How can those get the upper hand all the time on Gargamel?
1: That is actually a pretty fair question. Gargamel's huge. Why couldn't he just go stop them?
10: Yeah, oh, I mean, I think what the he... cat. Oh, no, I think the cat he had always screwed it up the last second. As real. Yeah. but
1: I mean, wouldn't one good run with a lawnmower be enough to get rid of all the smurfs? I hate to be morbid. Yeah, I mean, that's really, Because he knows where the
12: smurf village is. It's not like it's hidden, you
1: get yourself a John Deere and you're done. You're back in time for lunch. There must have been some timer release granules you could
8: have
10: gotten rid of those things with.
1: <laughs> some some, some slugging snail death. <laughs> <laughs> you just go out there with a big thing of Roundup. You just get yourself a big jar of DDT and you're done. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. Strawberry Shortcake. Wasn't there a spinoff girl that smelled of blueberries?
6: Oh, yeah, no, that was her best friend.
1: Her best friend. Was her best friend just named Blueberry?
6: Um, I think it was like Blueberry Muffin or something. I don't know.
1: All I know, Sarah, is they make my boyfriend's junk smell like pie. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Well, David Cook is this year's American Idol. He received 12 million more votes than co-finalist David Achulita. Uh, Both singers had to memorize an extensive catalog of lyrics. Cook is a 25-year-old bartender from Missouri... He wasn't planning to audition for American Idol, but producers talked him into it when he accompanied his brother Andrew to the tryouts. For his win, Cook gets a recording contract with 19 Entertainment and Sony BMG. He and Archuleta also get a brand new Ford Escape Hybrid. Uh, David Cook said the win was the uh, culmination of a very long process indeed.
5: That was an eight month an eight month exhale really. Um, you know this show is such a grueling process and so to be able to get to the end and win, uh, you know, it just, uh, uh, and uh, it was a really really cool moment for me.
0: He says he has one simple goal.
5: You know I'll probably stay within the rock realm, but for me it's all about just putting out music that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And if I can do that, uh, hopefully I can get some more people to follow suit, you know?
1: Okay.
0: Uh, let's see, what do moviegoers think about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? What do they think, Tim Riley? Here are a few audience member opinions from that show. Yeah, I
5: thought it was kind of cool. A classic.
4: Like, I thought it was really entertaining and in the spirit of the other
0: three. It was entertaining.
15: That's what I expected. I thought it... Very disorganized. It's like I
1: standing in front of a weed whacker or something. <laughs> no, can I can I interrupt this Indiana Jones thing for a second?
0: Well, that's the only one I have. All right. You're not interrupting anything.
1: All right then. You can go uh, back to
0: talking about gas if you want. It was.
1: I was actually going to talk about American Idol for just one second, uh, not about the show itself because we don't watch it. But that was actually going to be be my question. Is I don't mean this rhetorically. I mean this is as a, as a serious question because it is along with Lost one of the two shows in this country that everybody sort of colloquially everybody watches. We had uh, Michelle Wright from CNN talk about it today, because I know a lot of people watch it. Uh, we have these sound bites, because we know a lot of people watch it. Why don't we like American Idol? I mean, we, both individually, us here in the room, and as a show. I mean, it's a fair question, because we do here, we watch reality stuff. I mean, we, everybody here in the room has a reality show that they have watched, or watch. Why don't we like American Idol? People have asked me that, and I'm not saying we should. It's nothing new. I mean, the concept... Of a talent show is nothing new. Do you just find the concept to be tired? Is that your yes, thing? I would say so. Because oh, okay. I just
6: find it. I just find it boring. I don't like listening to people talk a lot about their own opinions on things. Like if that we do have here
1: on day. the Rick Emerson radio <laughs> program.
6: Exactly. Like I don't want to hear what Paul Abdul has to say about some guy who's 16 and wants to be an aspiring singer. I don't give a crap.
1: Is it the nature of the of the music? If, it, in other words, is it because the songs they sing aren't aren't really your 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 cup of tea?
6: No, I don't think it – it doesn't have anything to do with the song.
1: If they sang it so – I think
6: just the idea of American Idol. I just I just don't like it.
1: If it – now, would you watch – because I've actually spent, I think, maybe a disproportionate time – amount of time thinking about this because I do – how do I put this? I, I do wish I liked American Idol. I really do um, because I, I do it's – like, it's like my thing of not watching Lost. I do realize that there's a whole chunk of the, sort of the culture – that I'm not able to comment on because you know, let's be honest, whatever we think of it, it's a big show. A lot of, I mean, you know, students, and I was
6: a late adopter to that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it when it was on at all. Yeah, you know, I just watched it through DVD. And
1: and and now you and then you see and now you are sort of connected to this whole slice of the culture, people who watch it. Would you now for you, Sarah? Would you watch? Would you watch American Idol if? Would you watch it if it was not basically people doing karaoke to to sort of standards or pop standards? Would you watch it if it was a like a bands thing, like bands coming on with their own stuff?
6: No. I I don't I don't think I like contest shows a lot. Oh, is that I it think, is that I the thing for you? You don't like the competition? And, yeah, no, I just I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way. I just don't like it. And I don't like seeing you know, I don't think it's funny when they're out there when these kids like some of them are actually trying to sing and right. like they're all like made fun of and everyone like collectively has this bond over making fun of somebody. And Simon like,
1: Cowell says you have given me a boil mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So
6: And just like and just hearing Paula Abdul and that Randy Jackson dude, I just couldn't handle it. Tim Riley, is there anything that American Idol could
1: do to become interesting to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Me too. See, I was thinking about now, that. What about I, you? Why don't you I? Like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, for a while, I thought that it was, and I'm not knocking people to watch American Idol. I mean, I you know we know a lot of people who who watch it, and you know whatever, it's it's a big, it's a big program. I know that we're sort of in the minority here. I was actually thinking at one point. I thought, well, maybe if it was more of like a battle of the bands thing, uh, if it was not basically just karaoke. I thought, well, what if they got bands to come on who had written their song, you know.
6: Well, it, I could say, like, oh, bands actually performing their own music, not performing other people.
1: Yeah, like if they had, whatever, Nickel Arcade. Here's Nickel Arcade, you know, playing their hit single, you know, the Vodka and Heaven song for America, and then America votes on it. And I wondered if maybe that would be enough, but, you know, I think there I think there was a show that actually did that. There was, um, and I didn't like that either. It was about three or four months ago. I forget what it was. It was called The, the Search for America's Band, or Best Band, or New Top Band, because there was a band that was like a country band that sang zombie songs, and there was like some band that was just 13 year old kids that played like maiden style metal and there was like a bluegrass band and they were i think doing doing originals and i just didn't find that i didn't find that interesting either and so I, I i mean this sounds like a stupid thing for me to say because i love i have no i love mainstream music and mainstream rock and you know i'm no i'm not like I, i'm in no way an elitist when it comes to music but i think I don't know. I feel like it reduces music to something to something like way too. See, this sounds so pretentious for me to say it. When I say it reduces music to something way too shallow, because I'm no. I mean, look, I'm like a, I'm as shallow as they get. I mean, like 80% of my record collection, uh, you know, you could you came out of a out of a Sam Goody. I mean, I have no. But it, it but it does seem like it somehow diminishes. I don't know the sort of the sort of greatness or the soul or whatever of music. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not putting it the right way. I just I wish there was something that I could sort of do, you know, to enjoy American Idol so that I could talk about it here. But I just can't, and I can't pretend to like it either. I mean, I think I could try to pretend to like it, and it would just fail. It would just fail miserably. So oh,
0: maybe more juggling plates or topo
1: gigio or something. <laughs> maybe maybe I mean maybe maybe you've actually just sort of hit on it, Tim. Maybe if maybe maybe this is it. Maybe if they just admitted that it was kind of a glorified karaoke contest. Maybe if they did not try to treat it like such a legitimate musical outing. Maybe that's the thing. You know, but maybe not. I don't know. Having said that, I have no idea. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Hi, Rick. This is Jerry. I just want to say why I don't like American Idol, and
12: that's because it's all so dang cheesy. I mean, the songs they sing are cheesy. When they come out and do the medleys, it's cheesy. The commercials they do for Ford are cheesy. And then you got... The product placement's in there. It's, it's just, I don't know, I guess it's too over the top. Okay, well, maybe, mm-hmm.
1: maybe that's my thing when I say that I feel like they, it's, they make music too shallow. Maybe that's what it is. It, it, I feel it, like
6: they're, it. like, manipulating you,
1: too. That's the thing. Is Maybe shallow is not the word I'm looking for, but maybe I do feel like they rob the music of any kind of... Uh, you know, truth or what do you want to call it, by making it feel Vegasy, Then the whole show seems very vegas very that, sort of that, nightclub. That's a club. good way to put it. That's it a feels, good way to put it. it. all. even the stuff that is supposedly kind of rock, it feels very loungy to me. I think that's the thing. <laughs> it all feels sort of nightclub And I think maybe that's the reason I can't get into it. All right, excellent. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
0: Well, how's uh, Ted Kennedy doing today, you ask? Much better. Doctors say uh, Ted has recovered remarkably well.
1: That's made up. That's a lie. That's what it says here. But much better. He had a brain tumor
0: yesterday. How much better could he be? You don't believe the Kennedys are telling the truth? <laughs> not no. a being. No, I do not, Tim. Uh, Ted Kennedy is relaxing on Cape Cod. Uh-huh. He uh, got out in the sailboat yesterday. Of course he's oh, relaxing. He's spending... He has a brain tumor. He's expected to spend many hours sailing while well at Cape Cod. A neighbor isn't surprised how well he's doing.
5: He's out more than any individual sailor that I know. No. He's out from early spring, (laughs) and his boat is the last one
1: to
17: be pulled from the harbor.
0: He's all
1: healed up. I think they're going to be pulling him from the harbor. No, he's all healed up. Uh Uh-huh, sure. He's he's feeling much better from his malignant brain tumor that he had yesterday. All right, well, whatever. She was there of her own volition, Tim. That's all you need to... She looked 18, Tim. That's all you need to remember about the Kennedys.
0: It wasn't a carload of secretaries. It was just one. <laughs> it's not like I drowned a whole series
1: of women. Everybody is allowed. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I'm a Rick bad right. little boy. Hello. Yes.
10: Hey. Um, i got a question for Sarah and a question for Tim. Uh, first question is, uh, Tim, what's up with the CBS uh, radio, the uh, uh, the CBS uh, ro- robo radio thing? At the end it says the frequency and it says something about Kenneth.
0: Who's Kenneth? Uh, he's referring to the newsbot. Oh, I have nothing to do with the newsbot. <laughs> that was done against my
1: wishes. The
6: newsbot and Tim are not friends. <laughs> uh, oh. he's
1: not on Tim's Christmas card list. Uh, the newsbot, uh, which you hear uh, in the mornings, uh, the newsbot ends its uh, its newscast by saying, "And that's the frequency, Kenneth," which is a reference to uh, our colleague Dan Rather. Some years back, Dan Rather was walking through Central Park, Richard Quest style, uh, without uh-huh. the meth. Uh, and he was savagely beaten by some nutcase. And the guy would hit Dan Rather. I don't mean to be laughing like at hitting Dan Rather, but the guy would punch Dan Rather in the face, look at him and say, what's the frequency, Kenneth? And Dan Rather, of course, would say, what? And then the guy would go, wham, and hit him again and say, what's the frequency, Kenneth? And he kept pummeling Dan Rather as a penalty for not knowing the frequency and apparently for not being a guy named Kenneth.
5: So, oh my God! So because so
1: it's a little CBS News Inside reference that so the newsbot and an bot, REM song and an REM song. And So the newsbot ends with and that's the frequency, Kenneth.
10: Oh, cool! Now I got it. Oh, and my other thing, uh, real quick, was uh, Sarah. I totally uh, empathize, empathize with uh, you having uh, being scared of like things in the water. I had the same similar situation. I was stationed over in Iraq, except it was on the land, and that's those camel spiders. Now those things are nasty.
1: Now we heard the camel spiders were like an urban legend. Yeah, that was all like perspective. Uh, no,
10: no, they they certainly are not. They actually they're actually in the United States too. They're in Arizona. They're called wind scorpions. Whatever, how how
8: big are they?
10: They are ginormous. They're actually bigger in Saudi Arabia than the ones I saw in Iraq. But they're uh, they're called an arachnoid. They're a scorpion and a spider together and uh wow <laughs> yeah those those things are nasty i got chased by two or three of them they actually uh chase your shadow so it'll be like walking around in the desert there and you'll see this like a um, spider um they get as big as a humvee tire well there's actually a picture online of a uh candle spider that they caught and killed and see, they not, we
1: were we were told though that we had heard that 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 picture was a thing called a trick called forced perspective which is where they put the thing really close to the camera so it looks bigger than it is
10: Oh uh, oh, uh, that could be. I uh, don't know I haven't seen him that big, but I've seen him big enough to uh scare you. I'd say uh it's at least six inches by like uh three well, that, inches
1: that's still no good. six inches is still bad
10: yeah that's uh that's not good.
1: Anything that's half scorpion half spider needs to stay away from me forever.
10: Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just saw well, one more thing: uh Star Search. That's that's yeah. why I hate um American Idol. Well, that's what Tim said when
1: Tim said the concept itself is played out. It is it is very similar to Star Search, and and undoubtedly Star Search was, pred- it was predated by something in the fifties and, and so forth. So,
10: yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Paul Abdul and that one guy have chops, but Simon Cowell. That I one mean, guy. Is, uh the uh, African American guy.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you, sir. Yes.
10: Yeah.
1: Thank you, my
0: friend. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. (laughs) Well, vandals have used a hammer and a screwdriver to vandalize Stonehenge, the ancient monument. Where the demons dwell? uh Uh-huh. Where the banshees live and they do live well? Yes. The nighttime attack by two men last week involved the central megalith in the 5,000-year-old ring of standing stones. A chip of stone about the size of a large coin was removed, about uh, two and a half inches, and they left a scratch. Thanks to the vigilance and quick action of the security team at Stonehenge, very minimal damage was caused," said a spokesman for English Heritage. A tiny chip was taken from the north side. Now it's a matter for the uh, police. Uh, this was built in the year 2600 BC. It is 80 giant standing stones arranged in on Salisbury Plain. Uh, there was already a 400-year-old stone circle there. Around two centuries later, even bigger stones are brought to the plain. Only 40% of the originals remain, about uh, 8,000 50,000 visitors each year, come to marvel at the 17 stones of Stonehenge. Stonehenge
1: is one of those things, I want, I've i never gone to Stonehenge. I wonder if it's sort of like the Statue of Liberty, though, where you're just supposed to go look at it because it's impressive, but then you get there and it's just rocks?
0: Yeah, it's
1: rocks. Right. Like, what is this? Well, it's a rock, but it's standing on its end. And, and then you're supposed to be wowed by it. Has anybody here seen Stonehenge? No. No. All right. Do you want to go see Stonehenge? No. See, that's my thing, is I fear that it would just be big. How big are those stones? Oh, I know they're not 11 inches high.
0: Let's see if I get the...
1: Uh... No, it doesn't say. See, do would you have any... How big would you imagine the tallest... Like, from the pictures, don't you get the feeling that they're supposed to be... Like, if, unless they I know, were...
6: Like, 15 feet?
1: See, but I don't know. I don't really... Unless they were a 50 <laughs> feet high, I think I'd be let down. Because you look at the pictures and you sort of like... It seems like it must be this massive thing. But aren't you kind of afraid that you go to Stonehenge and they'd all be like 5 feet high? And then you kind of go, well then... <laughs>
0: Why don't raise them, they just raise them at night and lower them during the day?
1: <laughs> should They They should totally do that. There should uh-huh. totally be some some tap-esque Stonehenge thing where they're lowered every night and then a dwarf comes out and trods on them. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, hello.
8: Screw
10: Stonehenge. I want to go see the Zappos plant.
1: You I'm and me so both, sir. That... I think it's someplace uninteresting, like Kansas.
10: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I'm so glad you guys are talking about them. I've been a customer of theirs for a while. I love Zappos.
1: Yeah, it's a great place. It really is. Just, just to
10: tell you how great they are, I ordered some uh, flip flops right before I went to the Caribbean a couple weeks ago, and they sent. I got. I ordered the wrong size, so I called them. I said, "Hey, I'm leaving in a couple days. There's no way you'll get my return and ship me the right size in time." And she was like, "Oh, don't worry about it. She's like, I'll send you the new size right now." And you can just send me those later whenever you get a chance. Oh, how great is that? No,
1: they do put a premium on customer service at that place. Yeah,
10: and then I asked her, I'm like, well, don't you need my credit card information to charge me for the new oh, you're, you're like, no, good. no, no, no. We'll need somebody else's. You're good for it. And she's like, we trust you. I was like, you trust <laughs> me. Are you kidding me? I'm not used to that. You're there's oh only cool. one, There's only one company better than Zappos. It's a company called... you
1: know i know that i shouldn't encourage that by laughing but you know but can i just say this
6: done right it's hilarious don't
1: we all appreciate new and creative ways that people lead up to the hang-up on us uh by the way here's a list of sure the strawberry shortcake's blueberry friends uh huckleberry pie orange blossom lemon meringue lime chiffon and her baby sister sarah was who i don't know apple dumpling oh (laughs) Strawberry Shortcake. I had
6: all of them, though. I, mean, I think my mom still has them in storage. Do they
1: smell of uh, they fruit? They smell.
6: Mm-hmm. My favorite one was the blueberry
1: one. Strawberry Shortcake's pet cat was named. Even I know this, and I'm a man. M-A-N. I don't know. Custard.
6: Oh. Yeah. I see. All right.
1: Uh, here in a few minutes, we'll talk to Dorothy Carceseri, a uh, great white apparently uh, in are in the building, one of the two, and uh, we'll have those guys in here in a short while. You know, scratch and sniff stuff, do they still make scratch and sniff things? Is that a thing? that I you haven't looked for any. Is that I wonder if that's a technology that we all we're all sort of wowed by, like choose your own adventure books, and then they just sort of got rid of it. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Truth. Well, I guess this is a uh, Britney watch. Is it really?
6: Yes it is. is that the one that Uh-huh? uh-huh okay. Is it disgusting? Yeah.
1: Is it as involved uh, anything? It? Anything being shaved or shown or both? Yeah, possibly both.
0: A new sex tape featuring the troubled the pop star is set to be released. The footage allegedly features Britney, who's 26, allegedly. stripping off naked, huh. apart from a pink wig, and romping with her ex-boyfriend, uh, Adnoid Galen. <laughs> Adnoid. <laughs> My name is Adnoid. Uh, the paparazzi photographer is reportedly trying to sell the full two-hour version,
17: Attacking.
0: which is said to contain 20 minutes of full sex after a long session of foreplay. Oh. Uh, the video starts with a Britney undressing. She's wearing some cheap clothing. Of course she is. The sex isn't particularly kinky, but Brittany <laughs> wears a pink wig throughout. At one point in the tape, Adnan asks Brittany to remove the pink and wig, yuck. and she refuses, saying, Take one off. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. That's completely <laughs> creepy. There's nothing left to take off. Adnoid had a three-month relationship with the mother of two at the height of her alleged <sighs> nervous breakdown earlier this year. The sex tape was supposedly shot while the couple was holidaying in Mexico in January. X-rated footage of Brittany and her ex-husband Kevin Federline exists, but it has never been made public. Brittany was admitted to the hospital in January twice on mental health issues. She's now fully recovered and has just returned from vacation in Costa Rica at Mel Gibson's Vacation Wait, Wayne, so late. let's
1: back up for a second, and then we'll welcome Dorothy Garcissara to the program, and she uh, will undoubtedly have some things to say about this. So, uh, the, the whole tape is how long? Uh, two hours. Two hours, and there's actually, there's how much actual sex?
6: I think, would say 20 minutes? 20 minutes.
1: Hmm. Uh, so what are they doing for the other three hours and 40 minutes? Are they playing Mahjong or something? I
6: suppose so. Yeah, a lot it's good
1: of foreplay. Just sitting there clipping her toenails or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like how everybody kind of gets suckered into watching that Pam and Tommy tape. And there's like, you know, there's like a good nine minutes or something on there. And the rest of it is just, the rest of this is them just sort of sitting there staring blankly at one another. Their heads so empty that they're producing echoes. Just, you know, it's a whole lot of like, come see how great we look. So there's that. The creepiest part of that, by the way, is when he tells her to take off the wig and she <laughs> says, Take what off? Oh, boy. Brittany's fine. Come in and join us. We're all here. La, 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 la.
0: <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. Will you watch that if it's available to you, yes. Sarah? Tim?
0: I might. Produce, I'll definitely watch <laughs> it.
1: Well, you know, uh, our, our good friend uh, our good friend Tom at Taboo Adult Video, who is going to be hooking us up with that alleged Jimi Hendrix sex tape. Oh, yeah. Uh, if this becomes available, I know that he'll be sliding. A, he'll let us wet our beaks. He'll be sliding a copy of that our way. Jesus, that's disturbing. And there's your Britney watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, yeah. Britney for Thursday. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the National Enquirer, our good friend Dorothy Carcassari. Hi, Dorothy. How are you today?
13: Hi, I'm great. How are you?
1: I am uh, I'm dandy, if a little bit unnerved by some of the details of the Britney Spears sex tape in which she appears to have gone bye-bye on some level, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so have you, have you, is uh, this sort of, uh, just sort of concur with what you guys have heard about this? Because you actually, in an Inquirer exclusive last week, uh, had actually talked a little bit about this tape sort of being around.
13: Yes, I did. I didn't reveal all the details, oh, but yeah, it seems know. like you have them now. <laughs>
1: uh, so I'm looking at the cover of this week's Inquirer. Well, the, first of all, there's there's this stuff on the website, and I think we had talked a little bit about this yesterday that Steven Tyler from Aerosmith mm. uh, has checked himself into rehab, which is kind of a bummer, as much as you know, as, as much as we poke fun at rehab. Uh, when a guy gets out and is sort of sober and is so stridently sober, it, you do kind of, you know, you do kind of root for them to stay out, stay on the path. So it always kind of sucks when, especially after I like think two decades or something, that guy's, you know, he's kind of fallen off the wagon. Um, so in any event, I'm looking here at the cover of the Enquirer, though, and all I can see is there's a picture of uh, Jessica Simpson. In which she looks exceedingly unhappy about something. So I don't know about what she's unhappy. So what is the latest? Please tell me that there's some misfortune that's befallen her.
13: The headline below that is Jessica cheats on Romo with two guys.
1: With, at the same time? No
13: way. No, not at oh. the same time. Sorry. <laughs> but this, is, this certainly throws a little twist into all of these. St- <laughs> so, she just, so she's not being a hussy, but she's playing like the, like the victim? Well, uh, I don't know if she's playing the victim, but she's definitely kind of out there and not keeping all of her eggs in one basket. Uh, you know, we've been hearing a lot about these rumors between Jessica and Tony. Uh, some places are saying that they're fine and dandy. Some places are saying that he's completely done with her and he only went with her to Ashley's wedding because, you know, her dad begged him to. Uh, but we're learning that She's actually been cheating on Tony for months, and she's had these secret relationships with two uh celebrities which I don't want to name because I want you to pick up the issue to find more out about that of course but uh we, but you know maybe she's not the victim after all
1: can I just tell you this I'm proud to say that like from from jump from the very first moment she was uh, in the public eye we always knew she was a horrible person uh, I, I think it, she sort of like peddled the good girl image for a while but I think we could see that she was just a uh, just a terrible dark vacuous person deep inside the entire time so anyway yeah,
13: that's fantastic <laughs> Well, she certainly does have this very bubbly personality on the surface, and she's been through a lot, and so some of her actions may be a result of that, uh, or maybe it's a, a deeper thing with just kind of her, the person that she is.
1: Hey, there's also a thing on the front about, uh, can I tell you this? I think because I am a man, maybe I don't know the answer to this. Does that Oprah, the, the Stedman guy, does he have another name, or is he like Prince, where he just like Stedman is his whole name? <laughs> Is it like Cher? I mean, I don't... Does he just sign his check? Stedman. I'm, well,
13: Oprah what? is goes by Oprah, so sub- you, you can't expect her guy to have a last name, can you?
1: I guess, is Stedman his first name?
13: Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> what is his...
1: Do we know his last name?
13: Stedman Graham.
1: Stedman Graham. All right. So all I can see is he says Stedman is, is writing a tell-all book, and I don't really know what there would be to tell about Oprah at this point, except to, it does seem like at some point Stedman and Star Jones ought to just surrender to the inevitable and go shack up somewhere together because they do seem like sort of uh, they seem like flip sides of the same coin.
13: Well, it's say. funny that you mentioned Star Jones because we also have a story this week about Al Reynolds doing something similar to what Stedman's doing, which is this tell-all about. His, well, Al's, you know, former wife and Fedman's girlfriend, where they're going to reveal these secrets about these high profile women. And there's a lot of similarities about this because, you know, Star Jones is not Oprah, but they're certainly two high profile, very strong women, successful career women. And then they have these guys that are with them who are, you know, not as much in the spotlight
1: on their own. Can you imagine what a living, breathing, walking hell it would be to be married to Star Jones? I mean, I can't even... I mean,
13: really, I mean, the only reason
1: you would... that That's like something that the priest gives you for penance, do you know what I mean? Where like you've confessed, what did you do? Well, I knocked over a South American country and I defrauded investors out of $40 billion. And the priest says, all right, I want you to do 10 Hail Marys, uh, an act of contrition, uh, do some charity work, and you need to be married to Star Jones for six months. <laughs> I mean, for the love of God almighty.
13: You're not interested? I mean, no. she's on the market now.
1: Uh, really, can I tell you that this this right here, this news cycle, marks it is significant because it is the last time any of us will voluntarily talk about Star Jones. I'm calling that out right now. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, Dorothy Carceseri from the National Enquirer. A pleasure. The new issue hits stands tomorrow. We will talk to you again next week. Thank Great. you, Dorothy. Thanks a lot. There you go. Dorothy Carcassari, ladies and gentlemen. I dig her. You make her laugh. I do, Tim. <laughs> You know, I'm making her laugh. He's half the battle. All right. Uh, there you go. Let's do one more. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Great White will be in the studio with us here in just a skosh. Uh, later on, Jim Rue from CNN will do the top five rock songs written about other rock musicians and more from Tim Riley.
0: Well, if father of four is demanding $2 million in damages after a vasectomy went wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> Daniel Stocker was forced to have Stocker. his testicles removed oh. and has uh, oh. been a pain. Really? Right? Pain. Ever since the operation 12 years ago, he's been in pain for 12 years. <laughs> he's uh, 51 years old, and uh, apparently a Mr. Stalker uh, wants $2 million. He went for the operation in 1996 at a uh, family planning clinic after his wife fell pregnant with her fourth child. He claimed the doctor tried to perform a procedure despite his protest, that he was in pain, and the anesthetic was not working. Hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. It feels like you're cutting off my testicles.
1: Can No, no, no. No, it's, no, it's fine. Is it really? Okay, I... You're but the, the, opera,
0: the operation was abandoned after Stocker doubled over in pain and vomited. <laughs> One of his testicles then turned black oh. and swelled to oh. double the side. Oh. Two years later, he had his testicles removed in an attempt to end his misery, but this failed to alleviate the constant pain. He's been in constant pain for 12 years.
1: Really, because it doesn't seem like and cutting off could... your testicles is the answer to any kind of unhappiness, sir. Oh. The odd thing is that it turned black and swelled to twice its size, but then it took him two years to decide that maybe that testicle was being a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe that was the, uh,
1: was a little bit of, a, uh, a bit of an issue for him. All right.
0: So uh, Mr. Stocker will get uh, $2 million. All
1: right. Because he now has no testicles.
0: Correct. Okay. Let's take a break, shall we? You don't want to hear about the Mexican donkey?
1: Yes, I do, right now.
0: Well, later.
1: Oh, damn you. Damn you, Tim Riley! Why do you dangle news items in front of me only to snatch them away cruelly like so many
0: bright, shiny objects? That's what I'm here for. All
1: right. Tim Riley plays the game of forwarded expectations. He gives and then takes. Hey, look at you. Excellent. All right. Back after this, great white around the corner. Uh, Jim Roof from CNN going to join us later on. We'll have the top five rock songs written about other musicians. And it is High Concept Thursday. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Just a sure why we'll welcome uh, Great White to the studio, uh, Jack Mark. And they're Michael. here. They're in the kitchen. They're in the kitchen right now. Uh, so Richie is uh, endeavoring to track down one of our engineers. Uh, solving a little bit of a technical issue, and then we'll have those guys in. Uh, the new one was called Back to the Rhythm, and they are at the Roseland? Yes. The nights. Excellent. So the Roseland tonight, Great White, uh, will be on the show here in just a uh, Coming up later on, senior radio correspondent, James Roop. Uh, more from Tim Riley. It is High Concept Thursday, and uh, we have today's top five coming up as well. Top five rock songs. That are written about other rock and roll musicians. Uh, let's see. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, well, let's do a couple of these calls here, uh, and then we will uh, bring Ray White in. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. What's up? It's not a tumor. Is that really the extent of your call today? Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the... Hello. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show.
9: Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I got a nice little
14: testicle story for you.
1: <laughs> a happy little testicle story. I don't hear that phrase nearly enough, sir. This doesn't involve the blackening of anything or anything falling off, does it?
9: Uh, more like falling out, but
1: Oh Ooh.
9: not the testicle though. Uh,
1: okay. okay, well let's keep this clean for the air, but plunge on ahead, sir.
9: Okay. Um well basically I my friend uh about fifteen years ago went to the doctor because his uh his uh, uh sack uh was becoming very enlarged and they told him he had not
1: a, a, not in the happy sexy way. N-
9: no, like grapefruit size. <laughs> <laughs> We're and, talking uh, grapefruits. Yep. Okay. A bit big. Anyways, he uh he went in, they told him he had a high uh, communicating hydro cell and that's just where you got like uh, kind of a tumorish thing on your ball that uh it swells up with water and wow. So uh-huh. finally when he got health insurance again about I don't know, a couple months ago, he went into uh, to a different doctor, and they told him he's had a hernia for 15 years in his uh, sack.
1: You had a hernia? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to be laughing at your friend. You've no, had, it's hilarious. This, so <laughs> You've had a hernia. First of all, I mean, and I say this realizing maybe we can't talk about this too much on the air, but how would you even get a hernia in that part of your body? Isn't a hernia when you pull a muscle or something? Isn't That's that what, what a hernia is?
9: No, no. A hernia is like where your abdominal wall contracts and a piece of your uh, intestine falls out. Does your friend have a piece of intestine
1: in his scrotum?
9: Well, he's got it removed since then, and the, and the swelling has definitely gone down. It's well, I would hope so. Normal size now, but yeah. Fifteen
1: years. So did he know that something was wrong for 15 years, and he just didn't have the health insurance to get it taken care of, or is it one of those things where where he thought it was just like a wart or something, and the guy went, no, 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 that's actually a hernia in your sack?
9: No, they, they told him. they told him it was that, uh, benign tumor kind of thing that would swell up. And uh, and so they said you can either get it taken out, which is kind of a pain in the ass, or you can just deal with it. And, and you know, it made his package look larger, so he, he wanted to go with uh, keeping it. And uh, I guess he just got a little too bothersome. He couldn't find right-sized pants or anything like that. And am
1: uh, sorry, my I'm sorry these pants just won't work because of my massive hernia.
9: Yes. All right. Thank so you. So he got it out. Of course. Thank you, my friend.
1: No problem. All right. Thank you. Indy, my friend. I'm so pleased you're not dead. All right. 503-733-2970. I don't know. In a minute here, we'll kind of track down Richie and see where we are with this. I think the issue is, I think there's two things. We're waiting on an acoustic guitar. I think they came one guitar light. So I think we are waiting on an acoustic guitar. And I think there was a... Richie Bristol? Yes. Hi. What's Where are we? What do we know? Uh, we're waiting for... Uh, there's no engineer around. Okay. Okay. And, uh, did you ask them the question? Were you able to reach them? Yes. Okay. okay. What did they say? Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, not why not right? walk over here? Okay. What? Just it's tell okay. me. Just tell me. Uh, he's not in around. Okay, right. but did you ask them the question? Did you say can we do a direct input? Without them, no. Okay. All right. So that's so that's not going to work. Uh, are we waiting on an additional guitar for the band? Yes. Okay. Let me know when that's here. Okay. Okay, and we'll move forward. All right. Thank you. Okay. It's uh five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. So at this point we're just waiting on a, I think a second a second guitar. So I think they were hoping to do like a direct input of the bass or whatever, and I just don't that's probably it sounds like it's not in the cards. All right. What was I doing? I was I taking no. some call about <laughs> something or other. All right, let's do a couple of these. Uh we'll do headlines with Tim Riley, Great White in the studio here in a while. Later on, Jim Rooftop. Top Five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. I
17: can see them because I figured out what they were doing and so it got to be very boring. But I think a big problem for me is that The class of talent they have does not match up to the title of the show. I mean, we're not finding the great American Idol. We're not finding the next Elvis Presley or the Beatles or Aretha Franklin, any of those people. They're just not living up to that. And I know they're successful, you know, to a degree. And they can sing well, some of them, but they're not great.
1: Excellent, thank you. That, that does actually dovetail. We were asking people why they didn't like it, or if they did whatever. If they could, that dovetails with this. Says Rick, I find it a little off-putting that they call it American Idol, and I have weird visions of demons rising from the depths of millions of Americans vote and pray to this idol, male style. Uh,
6: for 12, that guy won by 12 million votes. I mean, that, he won by ridiculous. that wasn't the total
1: number of votes. He won by 12 yeah. million votes. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program.
16: Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, during the break, I have ADD, so I was switching around on my uh, radio,
18: uh-huh.
16: uh on different
3: stations, and I hit Lars just in time for him to say um, to a to a caller, "I want more wood."
1: <laughs> if only you had uh, if only you had audio of that, sir.
3: Oh, I know. It was great. He was right. just like, we need more wood. I want more wood. I'm
1: Lars Larson, and we need more wood. All right, if you can find the uh, audio of that, you pass it along, my friend. We'll give you something shiny. All right, thank, thank you. you. All right, one more, and then we'll go to Tim. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello.
16: Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, to give you another testicle story? <laughs> oh,
1: geez. All right, this has really got to be the final testicle story for now, because we somehow fell into all of these testicles stories.
16: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fun to talk about. Yes. Uh, my brother had a vasectomy, uh-huh. and when they did the little snippy snip, they didn't tie it off right,
1: <sighs>
16: so he ended up with uh, grapefruit-sized. Uh, you know,
1: it's always cactus. grapefruits. Nobody says they ended up with, with the size of a mango. Yeah, what is it? They? Well, they're the size of pomegranates, now, Rick.
16: You know, the Texas
1: red grapefruit. do <laughs> was that size. <laughs> the texas red not just any grapefruit no no, no they were ruby kiwi grapefruit trick all right excellent and how long did that state last sir
16: um he went well it took a couple months to get there he went back in and they did another surgery which didn't fix the problem uh-huh. and i think his third surgery finally fixed it but
1: i mean you can't just have look we're speaking medically now these are medical issues we are talking clinically here on KCMD Portland, a news talk radio station chartered to operate in the public interest, convenience, and necessity as licensed by the Federal Communications Commission. When you say that he went in like a year later, for the, you can't just – like his his sack can't have been grapefruit size for a whole year. How would you even leave the house? Well, no, I mean – How started, would you sit down well, or lay was, down?
16: <laughs> he didn't. It I'm was right swollen from the surgery to begin with, and then it was like, well, the swelling never went down. So we went back in, and the doctor goes – uh yeah, this happens every now and then. And so the, then he had it fixed, and then the swelling just never went down. So but, it, it, was, it was kind of hilarious.
1: Let me ask you this. I have to ask you this final question before we go to Tim. So he has, as you said, this is a red, red Texas grapefruit. Did he at some point have at least the presence of mind as a dude to take photos of this so that he could then show it to other guys drunk at a party?
16: Hey, look at this. Yeah,
1: he <laughs> did. Of course. I knew it. All right, have you seen the photos?
16: Uh, yeah.
1: Is it just as horrifying as I might imagine?
16: Uh, Yeah.
1: All right, yeah, excellent. Thank really you, my is. friend. You're a good person. Are you spreading the word about this program? Every day. Thank you, sir. You bet. Right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal Savior. And now,
4: from
0: the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley. Blackie, the Mexican donkey, has been freed from jail. Blackie was held for three days for biting and kicking two men near a ranch near Texala Gutierrez. That's the capital of the Chiapas state. He was freed after his owner, Moro Gutierrez, paid a fine and the hospital bill for two, uh, two of the men injured. The issue is fixed, paid off. I'm no longer involved with this," said Blackie's owner. "The we'll loss also have to pay 488 dollars to each man to compensate for the loss of wages." Fine, that's more than people make in 10 years there. So $488 uh, for the victims of Blackie the Mexican Donkey. Yes? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't laugh at a single thing. You go ahead, Tim. Uh, Salesmen at one Missouri car dealership just aren't kicking in a free CD player or factory air. They're offering a free handgun with every purchase. Now, through the end of the month, car buyers at Max Motors and Butler will have a choice $250 either toward a gun purchase or gasoline. General Manager Walter Morris said, So far, most buyers have chosen the gun. Adding, he suggests they offer a semi-automatic model because it holds more around. Wait, so my my choices are a gun or what? Uh, free gas. Wait, so it, <laughs> wait, so if I buy a car... Where is this? Uh, This is in Butler, Missouri. In Butwell, of course. Max Motors. <laughs> uh, It says here, Come on down. We all believe in God. Got some guns. <laughs> Come on down and get a gun.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, if you have the right gun, then I guess you don't have to pay for the gas or anything else for the rest of the day, though, so.
0: Well, workers in a small New Zealand town got their wish granted when a woman stripped. When she said she was fed up with all their wolf whistles, a tourist uh, was about to use an ATM on the main street in a town. When the men whistled at her, she calmly took everything off, used the cash machine before getting dressed and walking away. The woman told police she didn't take too kindly to the wolf whistling for the men repairing the road. She said, uh, oh. I better not repeat this. Well, she said something we can't repeat here. (laughs) Uh, She was tired of being pestered by New Zealand men. Well, aren't we all? Uh, She's not an unattractive-looking lady either, said the police. Uh, The director of a Wisconsin cemetery says middle-aged women are taking flowers from graves to use in craft projects. Butch Miller, the director of uh, the cemetery operations at Holy Specter Cemetery... Holy Specter. uh huh Said uh, several women have been wandering around the cemetery stealing flowers that were placed on graves by loved ones. Holy Spectres were Will Eisner's buried. They help themselves to the flowers, and they think we're just going to throw them away. I asked them, uh, Why would you want these flowers from a grave? They say, Oh, we use them to make crafts and decorations. The women take care not to disturb mourners while they're uh, praying on the graves of loved ones. They're extremely polite, said the uh, cemetery worker. Yes? I'm nothing, just waiting for more news,
1: Tim Riley, and I'm also waiting for your observations about Indiana Jones that you were going to give. Well,
0: I haven't stayed up that late in quite some time and managed to stay awake, but I noticed that... The crowd wasn't really excited at all. I would say this. So uh, we were
1: because we were talking earlier about perhaps we had, it
0: we're in the suburbs and it's more reserved.
1: Well, it is. It was a tennis-born uh, movie theater, so it wasn't like it was in Southeast Portland. It wasn't like it was at the Lloyd Center Mall or downtown or something. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, and, and I said that I was. You know, I'm glad that I went. I'm glad I had the experience. I'm glad we all kind of had the bonding moment of seeing Indiana Jones. For people, written you really ought to see it because it's a part of American culture and it's a part of it is a part of cinematic history and it's the latest chapter and probably not the last chapter but it's still sort of the latest installment in an ongoing saga that it has meant a lot to a lot of people that being said i share your assessment that i don't know if it's because i mean because first of all it's a long ass movie man i mean we went in there i think it started at 12 i mean they actually started rolling they started rolling the whole the whole night at 12 there was i don't know like seven different trailers beforehand uh including that uh, there was the, the, the first time i've seen the big screen digital projection version of that, that Dark Knight trailer, the high-res oh, Dark Knight I'm trailer so that we watched yeah. online, where there's just... Dude, and can I tell you this? In that theater, there was the most righteous photo of uh, the poster for Heath Ledger as the Joker. It's about 50 feet high, and it's that one where he's walking kind of with his head down. Kinda and tilted, he's it's kind of blurry. Tilted, he's walking in the trench coat, he's got his head tilted, it's blurry, he's sort of like slumping along like a Boulevard of Broken Dreams kind of a thing, and he's got the gun in his hand. Uh, One of the biggest thrills of the night was not even in the Indiana Jones movie. It was seeing that Dark Knight trailer on the big screen. I mean, Christopher Nolan, some of the cinematography in that upcoming Dark Knight movie is just breathtaking. Uh, There's sequences where, I mean, it's where CGI has been done. Well, it's like where you see Batman standing on the edge of a building, standing on a roof, or where you see uh, the Joker walking down a road, and, it, you know, and it's, the, the entire road is empty, and he does that thing of, like, opening the switchblade, and he says, Ladies and gentle men," you know, and he kind of goes, ching, and opens that switchblade and comes up to Maggie Gyllenhaal.
6: Yeah, his voice is crazy sounding. It's just,
1: it's just great. And so then the movie started, Indiana Jones, and by the time it got done, it was, what, 2.30 in the morning? Two fifteen, and, and I mean, my clock. we kind of stood in the lobby, and I don't know if you had the same uh, situation, but I was kind of talking to listeners afterward, or people who came out, and you know, very nice kind of joined us there. But it was, it was kind of a collective sort of, eh. I mean, yeah, I right. would say that was that was the general vibe. Is just that it wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just sort of unnecessary. I think it had its moments, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, I would agree with Tim that the Soviet stuff was kind of interesting. Yeah. The 1950s stuff... That was interesting. ...was interesting. Shia LaBeouf is not, like, the worst thing ever, uh, but, you know, maybe miscast in the movie. Karen Allen looks okay for, you know, having been 27 years after, uh, you know, after she was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I would say the thing about, about the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull movie is at no point did I really ever feel like there was any actual danger happening on the screen. There's just at no point that I feel like there was any real menace. Nobody was really in jeopardy. Nothing really surprising happened. Um, so, you know, you were just sort of watching it, sort of aware that everything was just CGI and that everything would sort of turn out, you know, properly in the end. I just, I just did, I felt no actual tension at any point in the movie. So.
0: The Yale University campus is very attractive,
1: though. <laughs> it is true. There was, boy, but there's a really cringe-inducing sequence where they're, they're, uh, he's on a motorcycle, like Shia LaBeouf is riding a motorcycle and in Indy's sort of on the back. Uh, and they're riding through a library at one point and then they stop to, like, dispense a one-liner to the audience and then they sort of ride off again. And it's uh-huh. all sort of, and I have to say this, I'm not going to spoil anything, we'll say this, we'll take a break and we'll come back. That Crystal Skull looks like just a glass thing full of saran wrap. I mean, I know, it that, I know that it was... So, look, I, really? And I am not. And I mean, look, it's not, I'm spoiling it. It's called Indiana Jones of the Kingdom of the Crystal this Skull. It looks like one of
6: those cups you can get at uh, Treasure Island in Vegas. It is exactly what it looks like.
1: And Mitchell Bickford is holding it throughout the movie and aiming it at him. There was a, there was a guy who looks just like Mitchell Bickford in a bathrobe who was holding the Crystal Skull for about uh, 90% of the film. The Crystal Skull... And I'm glad I'm not the only person who thought. There was actually a listener who emailed this exact same comment today. The Crystal Skull looks like... A plastic novelty drink holder that you would get at Treasure Island in Las Vegas filled with wads of saran wrap. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it looks like. So I I mean I know and I, I mean they spent like $130 million making this. So and uh and the final I would say I would say the final Eight or nine minutes uh, of the movie, which is sort of when everything, the denouement happens, when everything is sort of wrapped up, I would say the final eight or nine minutes of the film, the final last scene, is unbelievably fake-looking. I mean, so fake-looking, it kind of, it, it appeared to have been drawn by kids with a fistful of Crayolas. So that being said, the middle section of the film works really well. I would you could lose the entire first fifteen minutes uh, we, for me.
0: We could have hated it more. We could have, I mean, was, I
1: mean, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. But there's all kinds of things that they could have fixed to make it better. So
6: so we still have The Dark Knight, at least. And I have sex in the city next week.
1: We have, you have sex in the city to look forward to. You have The Dark Knight. And you haven't seen Iron Man, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, Iron Man is really good. Uh, I was
6: probably just going to wait for a beer theater for that one.
1: Iron Man is not bad at all. And The Dark Knight is... I will say this, that Indiana Jones will probably have a big first couple of days. I would imagine the drop-off at the box office will be pretty substantial. And I will make a prediction right now that as much as I do want it to be good... First of all, Harrison Ford just looks tired. Uh, and I don't mean Indiana Jones looks tired. I mean, Harrison Ford looks tired. His teeth look as though they've had a lot of work done. And I think you nailed it when you said he had a nose job, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. You know, everybody wants to look good. Um, but just he it takes about 20 minutes for your brain to reset and accept the fact that you are watching a 65 year old uh, Indiana Jones. So
0: and the other thing is, when the movie begins, you're not really sure if it's the beginning of the movie. You're watching several exciting trailers all of a sudden the energy level drops. Yeah. And about 5 minutes later you realize, "Oh, this is the beginning of the movie." <laughs> we're, isn't it?
1: we're actually in the film. Yeah. Uh so Kate Blanchett is great and you know the, the, the middle section there's a sequence where he and uh, Shire are like going through uh you know like an underground cavern looking at stuff and that stuff is all really great because it feels like an Indiana Jones film. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if they could go back and trim about 15% of the movie away, I think it'd be even better. Well, that being said, see it, but I don't think it's going to rank. I don't think it's going to be one of the biggest films of the year. I think it'll be at least number three behind Iron Man and The Dark Knight, and quite possibly lower than that. So, let's take a break. We'll come back in the next hour. We have the top five coming up. More from Tim Riley, Jim Roop. It is High Concept Thursday, and we'll have Great White in the studio. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. The Emerson Radio program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Still to come later on the day, CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Tim Riley returns with more news later on the top five. Uh, top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Uh, this is a natural segue, actually, to rock musicians. Let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Jack, Mark, and Michael from Great White. Hello and howdy, my friends. How are you doing? Good to see you. How are you, sir? It's really good. Um, so we talked uh, a couple weeks ago. Right. We did a phone call, and uh, so I, I told you briefly the same story, and I will now bore everybody by telling you the same story again, which is that I, I won't even say that I met you. I sort of walked by you once, uh, for about 90 seconds uh, on the Psycho City tour right. and you'd come to a radio station where I was uh, working and you kind of walked by and I was ah, Jesus, how old was I? I would have been maybe 19, 20, something like that and you and it was just like the rock star just poured out of every one of your, you know, every fiber of your being <laughs> you walk by <laughs> and I'm like that guy is a rock star and then I was able to actually introduce you guys <laughs> later that day. my very first uh, the very first stars I ever introduced and right. I got up on stage, and I can still uh, the picture like it was yesterday, where I was just this scrawny, like mulleted, like nerdy guy. And <laughs> I got up and I mean, "Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming out. Would you please welcome Capital Recording I was just Great White?" And like my whole thing was just to get on stage and do it and not like f it up, right? And get off stage. And it was a great show and a great night. And it is, it's really cool to see you guys out still doing Thank what you, you. do. Thank so. You very much. Um, We'll talk about the the new record in a minute. Back to the rhythm uh, on Shrapnel Records. You guys are at the Roseland uh, tonight. Tickets through Tickets West. Um, So I have to ask, and I I don't know anything about... uh, I couldn't read music if you put a gun to my kneecaps. I don't know anything about music theory. I don't know anything about... I mean, it's like all I can do to make an E chord, you know, just like long enough. You you went up on me. Yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) Uh, I was that guy that used to stand in the garage and just with the guitar and just play intros of songs, trying to impress somebody. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> no wait, no wait, just that and back in black over and over, like hoping to impress a cheerleader. Um, but you guys have a sound that this is uh, this, this word gets overused, but it's trademark, and I think it's something with the mix. A uh, vocal and guitar, and I think the guitar tone, especially, I I could pick a Great White song out of a lineup based on guitar tone alone. Uh, and there's just something there in in the sound that has always conjured up Southern California nights. It's summertime. It's about ten o'clock. It's dusk. And there's just kind of that music, music coming over the horizon. And I mean, you guys have always conjured that up and just personified it. Thank you, thank you very um, much. That, that's 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 well said. Thank you. I mean, and you and I, you know, you you can't ask for more than this world than to make music that people really like and people really enjoy. So, how long have you guys uh, been doing what you do?
15: Yeah, let's see. I mean, if you want to go back to the beginning of time, I mean, um, Mark, Mark, and myself, um, we we started this band back in 1978 in November. I was 17 years old. Um, became great white in 82 put our first record out hence this is the uh, continuation of the 25th anniversary tour which we started last year Um, so it's been a long time michael's been with us for since 85 i think Um, my drummer and i excuse me uh, we go back to 1976 i mean 77 77 when i was 16 years old we were playing together um he got in the band like in 85 as well so i mean the four of us you know, I've been, been playing together for many, many, many years, and it's just been an amazing, amazing adventure. I mean, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. had its ups and downs, but the fact that, you know, we're still able to make music and people still show up and people appreciate it, I mean, how blessed are we? You know, I have, I, my complaints are very few and very small.
5: And it's our 25th uh, record label.
15: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, <we're just> about. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a Guinness Book of World Records thing, I swear, because we have been on more major labels. Then any band, in I mean, oh, come on, you got Capital, EMI, uh, Imago, B- BMG, uh, sure. Zoo, uh, the, the, just, I can't even remember them all. There's Sony.
5: Michael. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Sony. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It,
1: people who listen to us, and that's kind of like us with radio stations.
15: Yeah. you know? <laughs>
17: they,
1: they like us, and about every two and a half years, they kind of go, mm, No, <laughs> security's going to show you out. Yeah, I,
15: mean, I knew, I knew we were screwed when they started calling our, our music product. Oh, I love your new product. I'm like, <laughs> product. product? I, He's I, like this is like my kid I just gave you, man. You know what I mean? You, know, you don't right. like hang out with the bad kids at the bottom I, of the chart. I, li- you know? I like,
5: yeah, I like the way uh, Richie Blackmore says, "It's always we." If you're going up the charts, it's like we're going up the charts, but you are going down the charts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make a lot of money. You're being dropped. No, <laughs> you're yeah, right. being dropped. <laughs> up the... uh, so well, that kind of brings us to now you back to the rhythm is the name of the new mm-hmm. record on Shrapnel, uh, Shrapnel Records. You're going to be tonight at the Roseland. Tickets West. Uh, I mean, I will talk. You know, lots more. Uh, do you guys uh, you know want to favor us with a with a song before the sure, yeah, we'll any further we'll, here? Uh, yeah, why not? We brought some guitars. We brought the voice. Why not play? Um, this is um, this
15: is something um we did on, on the last album about, um can't get there from here it's um one of my uh, actually favorite songs it's um can you, can you hear can you hear
10: can you hear me
1: now
15: i can't hear you put, so put that mic around put that mic, put that mic around the guitar man it's right, right on right it. across the f hole and <laughs> i'm not the, trying to cut the f hole <laughs> <laughs> there actually is an f hole in this guitar oh, yeah all right, oh, that that's one. Part oh, what a tone! Yeah, speaking of guitar tone, he was talking about. That's not the tone we he was talking about. This is not the recognizable pick yet of a lineup tone. <laughs> we, we do better I promise you, it'll sound better live. I swear to God. Please come to the show. Don't don't let us affect you. All right, here we go. It's called. <laughs> this is called. <laughs> rock and roll, Ojiku. Okay, it's called it in the tradition.
4: By fools who could swear Each heart loves twice I can't pretend everything's good Believe me, I wish that I could I can't fake a smile Through the evening I'll probably crack If the pain's too strong Play a song for me, but it has to be in the tradition of love gone wrong. I've noticed today I have one less friend to call, and no one to tell me it's all right as my world. Fall. I'm doing the best that I can best that And I, I've had all the help, I can stand. the help I can stand I can't fake a
2: smile
4: through the evening I'll probably crack if the pain's too strong Play a song for me, but it has to be in the tradition of love gone
2: wrong
4: I'm ready to crash, yes I am But i hide it the best that I can Can't fake a smile Through the now probably crack If to the pain's too strong Play a song for me Make it last for me In the tradition of love gone wrong In the tradition of love gone wrong In the tradition of love gone wrong.
1: Thank you. That was actually great, White ladies and gentlemen, in the studio with us tonight at uh, the Roseland. Tickets West is the place to go for tickets there. That uh, so you uh, obviously you listen to you guys and hear you know a lot of things. Obviously there's you know there's some of the Zeppelin there. Here you hear the Beatles uh, influence really strong there. So just kind of uh, sort of going around the room here. Where did it and where did it start for you guys? Uh, you know each of you. And we'll start with Mark maybe the moment when you heard. Song, record, band, whatever, and you said that's it. That's what I got to do for a living.
5: Um, I think. uh, Well, the first three records I ever owned were uh, Jimi Hendrix, Cream, Disraeli Gears, and uh, the The Doors. The Doors, (laughs) the Doors. Those three bands. I think that just listening to those Mm -hmm. records over and over really kind of made me want to play.
1: And was it to, you just heard it and you said I gotta I gotta be on the other side of that I gotta be well, their making that,
5: that coupled with there was a, a band that was playing across the street in this garage and I used to watch them play through this window at the side of their garage and I, the bass player was like playing with his teeth and all this stuff and that that kind of I go wow that's really cool I just thought it was the coolest thing because you guys got dancers now but... that coupled with with uh, listening to this uh, great music <laughs> and I I used to not really listen to the guitar so much I always sang along like sang along with the singer kind of vibe. Uh, but I, once I saw those guys across the street playing with their teeth and all this that stuff, I, I knew I wanted to get a guitar, you know. Michael,
1: like, what about you? When the, the moment that it all kind of coalesced in your head?
5: Uh, I'd have to say it was uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand by the
15: Beatles on Man. Ed Sullivan, because whether I want to admit it or not, I am old enough to remember that <laughs> and be very excited about uh you know, the anticipation of that whole day on that Sunday, you know, everybody knew that the Beatles were going to be on, and that was such a big deal, so we all just, you know, queued up in front of the television, and when they hit, it was just mind-blowing. I just knew at that moment
1: that was it. I uh, actually, just the other day, I was watching, um, there's that 11-hour Beatles anthology, uh, it was just eight episodes or whatever, and I, and I was watching that moment, and I think Gene Simmons, I think, tells a similar story, where he was watching it, and he, he thought it was Feedback, or he thought it was static or something, and then the camera sort of whips around, and you know, there's a whole crowd of people, girls, just losing their minds. Yeah. Uh, You know, and but I think everybody musically you heard that, and it just struck some chord. Uh, you know, and it just resonated so deeply with people. And then Jack, I I, I think we you would actually say it was the Beatles for it was you the too. The
15: Beatles, absolutely. I mean, you know, it was it was uh, Help the Help album. I mean, before that, I, I think we spoke. I told you I wanted to be an archaeologist. Yeah, right? now I'm a fossil. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. It's still rock though. Yeah, yeah, it's still <laughs> rock. Yeah, yeah, just really hard rock. Um, yeah, I mean, the Beatles for me have always been that. the Beatles and the Beach Boys. You know, oddly enough, they were both on Capitol, and so we ended up there as well, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, those bands, the harmonies and just just the melodies, I mean, to me were just amazing, and still are today. They still hold, they still hold to the test of time. And that that I mean, for me, is the hope that you can write songs that, you know, twenty, thirty years later, forty years later, fifty years later, you know, that that somebody can still listen to and go, God, that's still a really, really great, beautiful melody, and it makes me feel something.
1: Did you guys have the sense when uh you know when you were sitting there and you're sort of writing uh, some of those songs? I mean, up to the current stuff. Do you know when you write a song? that's it, it, really going to resonate with people, that are really going to oh, click? you, you know, sense absolutely it? Absolutely, sure. I mean, there's there's times where, I, you know, there's been a lot of hits we've written
15: that never became hits, you know I mean, just because this, you know, there's a lot more to a hit than just writing a great song, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, like, I remember when we finished Rock Me, I mean, I remember sitting in the studio, and listening back to that song and, and just, I looked over at Mark and I went, wow, man, this could really be a big song. And this is, I got like the chills in mind, the hair stands yeah. up, you know. Like, this could really be something special, you know. And, and, and fortunately it turned out, you know, all the, you know, God smiled and all the plants were all aligned. And, 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 it, and it did. Um, but, um, yeah, you, there's, there's the times, you know, when you write a really great song. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm John Q. Public as far as my ear goes. If I like it, pretty much everybody else likes it too. I'm not this big, sophisticated music guy, you know.
1: I remember the, actually the very first time I ever heard uh, rock me i think it was it was out. i was over to french house and he had the radio on and one of those like 80s like boombox right things yeah. with, like the, the tape deck in the middle and the huge yeah. speakers monstrosity yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and it was playing you know and it starts with the bass line it is just doom, 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 doom. and uh, and it was sort of built and built and built into just this monstrous song i mean it kind of sneaks up and it kind of comes in real smooth and then it just builds and there is that moment uh, when you just really, there's no other word for it, when you just wail out that line, you say that, uh, and when your man don't care, I, I will, will be, be there. there. Yeah,
4: real good
15: baby
1: now. yeah I And the then part. it kind of, you know, just goes, bow into the chorus. And I remember, kind of, and I'm kind of getting chills now, Actually, I, well, I kind of oh, went, yeah, like, you know, like if I had any talent, that would be the moment when I was like, I am picking up a guitar today. <laughs> 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 That's the thing. I mean, there's
15: parts that's that's you know it's a release at that point, you know, which I love. I love that. You know, that's what I love about dynamics in music. A lot of bands, unfortunately, don't use dynamics, and this band has been fortunate enough to to, to learn how to do that. And I think there's you need you need to build things up and then, and then drop them down and build them up, and so it's almost like sex. You know, you need that that it's like taking your time. You know, I mean, and then you that when that final release comes, it's like wow. You
1: know? And, and you, the songs do have the great sort of ebb and flow. We're talking to Great White at the Roseland tonight. Tickets at Tickets West. What was when you look back, what was there a moment when you said like, "This is it," like I have I have arrived, I've made it, or this is a moment that you filed away, like this is the moment I'm going to remember? No right
5: way. Now. That's the thing about it is you, you never feel like you've made it or, no. or whatever. I mean, I I never have. I mean, I remember going to Japan for the first time. And there's like two or three thousand kids in the airport, just like flipping out, and I'm just thinking like, I'm not Mike Tyson or Van Halen or whatever, you know. I can't believe this response. So I, I, don't, I don't think, I think you can talk to anybody and you never quite feel like, you know, they're with no,
15: like the top of And that's the beauty of it. I mean, I would never want to be in a
5: situation where you felt, okay,
15: this is as much as I could ever do. <laughs> oh, then, yeah.
5: then why continue?
15: Right, you know, right, if you can't right. write a better song than the last song, you might as well put your guitar away. That's
5: so. what I think keeps us going is, is we're always trying to improve our songwriting. You no, know, I, I know we can get one better. You yeah. know I, mean? I mean whether I mean, it becomes whether,
15: you know. whether it becomes a million seller or not, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just trying to prove upon your own stuff. You know?
1: After we talked last time I got a, an email from a listener, I wish I'd printed it out here, who he had I had mentioned the album Sail Away, which I to this day think is one of the one of the great records. Thank it you. really is a truly great record. Thank I mean, you. front to back. I mean there are moments on it that are just that transcend. And he actually said that the the song, the title track, Sail Away through some quirk of whatever had been playing in the delivery room when his kid was born and he said that he loved the song and at that moment I mean it, 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 well, it sounds corny but you can't you know to become a soundtrack to somebody's life and experience a moment I and mean, that's what it's, it's got to be what it's about that is it, you know.
5: so amazing when someone you know they get married to a, a song we wrote or something or it, it, the song re- takes him back to some outrageous moment or something it, it's really neat to hear that because I have songs that you know that I can relate to for me that means something to me in my life, you know, that I didn't write, but you know what I mean? So I can kind of relate to that, but to be a part of that is uh, really kind of special.
1: And that brings us new record, uh, Back to the Rhythm on Shrapnel Records. Tell us, so what is if Somebody picks up this record, they put it in, they listen to it. What should they expect to hear coming out of the speaker?
15: I would say in many ways, it's kind of a great amalgam of all of our styles. I mean, we've got straight ahead rock on there. We've got blues tracks. We've got... A couple of uh, new, no, I wouldn't say modern modern things, but some of the some of the roofs
16: that Kay brought we uh, to the table. We we uh, it's kind of our take on some of the more modern. It's Kind
5: of like almost like a greatest hits, yeah, in a, way. In, in, in a greatest hits of styles in our whole Poor, career. Great and white, yeah, put into one. Album. yeah i mean you know our
15: records are generally very eclectic and you know? i mean we don't try to pigeonhole ourselves into a certain type of sound i mean other than you know great white has always been what great white has been and we've never tried to be anything that we're not like when you know when the 90s came around we didn't put on pendleton stare at our shoes and try to be grunge <laughs> that's right and, you know i mean yeah. we, we i mean the thing about great white is first and foremost we write songs that we like because so at the end of the day whether we sell one copy or a million copies we have something that we can listen to and be proud of. I mean, that's important to me. I mean, I want to like my record. I want to like what I play. I don't want really to go, like, God, we saw 10 million records, but I can't
1: stand that album. I do have uh, horrible memories of picking up the Native Tongue album by Poison and seeing that it was all in brown tones and Brett Michaels was wearing flannel, and I kind of went, oh, no, uh, please uh, don't, no. Like... And uh, you guys never did that. Yeah, no, well, uh, you know, and
15: then, you know, for better, for worse, whatever. That's just, that for, that's just you know, I, I think, yeah. who are you going to fool? You're not going you're, you're gonna to piss your fans off, and you're not going to fool anybody that's younger. they go, like, right. these guys are an 80s band. <laughs> Yeah. Come on! Congrats, oh, he's got a penalty, and he took his wig off. I mean, come on, you know, give me a break.
7: <laughs> you, know.
1: you guys, uh, you guys want to what, play us another song here? Yeah, right
15: this yet. this is a little this is a little bit different. This is something we don't do all the time, but we'll uh, we'll clean this up for radio. This is um, kind of like the uh, the we don't take ourselves seriously song. Anyway, this is pretty much the story of our past life um, back pro- in the old days. It's called Wasted Rock Ranger. I pro-
1: oh, I didn't want to ask for it. There you go. You ready? Okay. Yeah, if I
15: can find the hole. Find the hole. He's got to find his hole. Okay,
4: ready? Well, I'm a wasted rock ranger. I live the life of danger. I'm on the road to find a higher high. I don't need no one's affection. All I need is my injection. My out-of-tune, Les Paul, will get me by. I've been doing gigs since I was ten I really can't remember when I ever had a dollar to my name My ears are blown, my eyes are red I got big holes inside my head I'm Snorting too much crystal and cocaine I have Benny's with the breakfast toast Quaaludes with the evening roast Assorted snorts of powder in between Well, I don't think a day's gone by that I wasn't drunk or high. It's the only way I keep my sanity. From Keggerston to Hootersville, my flaming strings have topped the bill. A thousand empty bottles earned my name. Endless strains of one-night stands, sharing stage with half-assed bands. And all the local groupies lay the same. Well I could have had a paying job Working for some mucked up slob Wife of family true security But I left that poop behind All that heavy metal grind Cause rock and roll is in my
15: blood to stay Among other things
4: Hey, you're a wasted rock ranger You'll live the life of danger Sing this song and follow it to the end when you reach number one, you
15: can overdose for fun and go and
4: visit Jimmy and his friends. Woo-hoo. Danger, sing this song and follow it to the end. And when we reach number
15: one, we'll all overdose for fun and we'll hang out with Elvis and his friends. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, great lights, <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. They're at the Roseland tonight. Ticket to Ticket West. Uh, the new record is Back to the Rhythm on Shrapnel Records. And uh, from somebody who actually owned that song on the flip side of a k- single... Uh, back in the <laughs> 80s. Uh, thank you so much uh, for coming in today. I got to
15: say one thing before we go. I want to thank, thank, thank Apple Music Row for loaning us this beautiful guitar to uh, to bring down here because we uh, we forgot one. We're musicians, man. <laughs> and and, um, and I want to say thank you very much for bringing that. It's the only one
5: you can hear too. So yeah,
15: the that's... only one you can hear. So yeah, it worked out well. Um, thank you guys very much right. for that. We appreciate Thanks it. For thank you, you so you much. Guys. Great Give white man, ladies and, and gentlemen.
1: All right, back after this. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> So Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Like is at 3, like is 101 at 5. The Michael Mara Show at 7. Hello, Tim Riley. I enjoy those folk songs. Do you enjoy the musical stylings of Great White? I did. Excellent. When um, oh, somebody pointed out that I did what I always do, Tim. I asked you what you thought of Indiana Jones, and then I just talked for 10 minutes about what I thought about it. Uh, oh, I never paid attention to was... like that. It <laughs> happens all the time with a white We're white. used to it you, by now. You, you've just grown numb to it. Just hey, like that. you asked
6: me what I've done the night before, and then I start to tell you, are like, well, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you what
1: it, this one says, Rick, I may have missed it, but I don't think I ever heard what Tim thinks of Indiana Jones. I heard you ask him, and then I heard you talk more about what you thought of it. I'm sorry if I missed it. Did Tim have a response?
0: Tim? I may have. I don't remember. What did you huh. think of
1: Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Tim Riley?
0: I thought it was an interesting time waster. <laughs> no, it, was, it was fine. I mean, it, it, uh, could have used a little more oomph to it. Um, if I had the extra... Nine dollars to spend again. I might consider seeing it. Would you see it as a? Uh, would you pay full price uh, to see it
1: uh, again, or would you? Uh, would you wait for a, like a matinee?
0: No, wait till it comes in, in the uh, red video box.
1: <laughs> you get it for a dollar at McDonald's. Uh-huh. When can I get this at Walmart for seventy-five cents? The music is good. Uh, the music is great. The score is good. Um, Did you
6: guys get? Was it a little thrill when you heard the um doo doo
1: Nah, not really. I mean, it really, was, uh, when he first used the whip uh, to pull a gun out of a guy's hand. Uh, that was good. Uh, although I will say that there's like a kind of a double cross that happens that you see coming a mile away. At least I did. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, let us in just one moment. We'll welcome Jim Rook to the show. He'll give us a couple uh, a couple updates on what's happening in Death Valley. This, however, is your personal savior. And now from
4: the
0: Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. God has answered your prayers, and Senator Kennedy is getting better. <laughs> He's speaking publicly for the first time since he went home to Cape Cod. Whose prayers are these? America's collective prayers. All of us? Everyone get down by their beds before they went to sleep and said a prayer for Teddy. I hope somebody prayed twice. I He's on the beach with his lovely wife, Vicki, uh, and uh, he says he's received a huge outpouring of support. We've
5: received an incredible amount
8: of wonderful uh, notes and letters from friends and
7: colleagues in the Senate, and uh, as well as...
1: People here he calling from Normandy?
8: He's, he's on the <laughs> he's, beach in Miami. He's Hyatt. calling
1: from
0: the Blitz. <laughs> Whatever. The Kennedys do not allow windscreens. Uh, he was standing on the beach and thanking the medical personnel who took care of him at Mass General Hospital. A lot of
8: nice thoughts. A lot of nice. Enormously grateful to everybody at Mass General
5: Hospital. They were just spectacular up there. All the nurses and doctors.
0: So there. So, Ted Kennedy is getting better. He's getting better. Thanks he... to our, our positive thoughts. No, no, there.
1: no. I, I, for one, Tim, am going to put on a prayer shawl and set aside a few moments every day mm-hmm. uh, to uh, you know, to send well wishes his direction.
0: God blesses the Kennedy. He, he does. He loves the
1: Kennedys more than other people, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Oh, Here's something for Jim Roop maybe to tackle. A statewide California poll shows Barack Obama has a 17-point lead over John McCain in California. Now, I have one more thing here. Oh, McDonald's is now holding the trans fat... On their fries, they were late covers to this. Everybody switched to the uh, the low trans fat or no trans fat in their fries, but they're afraid that they would lose that authentic McDonald's flavor. I guess that, <laughs> that sets their fries apart from the others. The secret ingredient is fat, mm-hmm. so they've taken away the fat. So get used to it. Uh, there's no more fat in their fries. There is still fat, however, in their uh, pies and cookies. <laughs> well, good for them. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show.
1: Actually, on that tip from Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent. James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm sorry. We had Things got a little tangled here. We had a band that came in, and then they got on late, and there was a whole lot of... It was a cluster, as they say, Jim. Uh, That's cool. Hey, so you were in Death Valley. Two days. Why?
18: Uh, Looking for bodies at uh, Barker Ranch.
1: That's got to be the best and worst assignment ever. Look, you're going to go to a place where there's no cell reception or water. It's called Death Valley. It's 116 degrees, and you're looking for corpses. Go. You know,
18: it was really cool. Uh, Honestly. It was real creepy walking around. Uh, the the compound, just knowing you know, what was going on there or, or what went on before they got there and maybe the conversations they were having, places they were sitting and, and talking about it and talking about more maybe as they wait out this race war they thought they started Elter Skelter, brother. Yeah.
1: So this is so now I get a lot of my mansion history confused. So this is the place where they were hiding out and where where the man came and found them? Yeah. Alright.
18: In fact, I, I, I got myself into that little, underneath that sink where they found Manson.
1: Gee, it's like two by three or something, yeah, right? Was,
18: yeah, I got myself in there, though.
1: So was the, was the theory that they, they thought that they had killed a bunch of other people that had never been known about or, or whatever and that they might have been buried out there?
18: Well, rumors, I mean, for nearly 40 years, has been rumors of bodies out there. Susan Atkins was talking to her cellmate once about three bodies buried out there. But there's never been any missing persons reports uh, or anything like that, so the authorities never wanted to spend the money. And they were out there. They searched the joint back then. Uh, if there were any fresh graves, it would have found them. So then there's this guy, this Paul Dosty, who trained this dog to search for clandestine graves, human remains. And he thought, what a great first search for this dog, because he's always been interested in, right. in Barker Ranch, to go up there and sniff around. The dog hit on five places. So he convinced the sheriff to get some equipment up there and do some preliminary testing of the soil and so on. So they did. Some of those, there were consistencies between the science and the dog. So they thought they would do a more extensive scientific research. And they brought in magnetometers and uh, ground-penetrating radar and lasers and crap like that, plus the dog. So you got all these sciences and the dog. And they come to meet in five specific spots, meaning all the scientists come together in five five spots. So the sheriff said, well, I guess the only way – actually, the sheriff said, well, hell. (laughs) I guess the only way we're going to be able to find out is if we dig.
1: We do some digging.
18: we got to get out there with the shovel. So they got some shovels, and they, they excavated the place in these five areas an inch at a time,
1: uh, just in a hundred and sixty. Because it's, it's, here's a dumb question: It's hot, right? It's, high, it's Africa hot. Wow. So Tim Riley has just showed me a photo of the Death Valley dunes. That doesn't look like a happy place.
18: No, I can email you pictures. I took pictures with my BlackBerry um, while I was there, of the things that were Is going. Is it on.
1: pictures of the Angel of Death coming ever closer to you as you dehydrate in <laughs> 116
0: degrees?
18: Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, man, it, it pays off to be a, a, an eagle scout because I was actually helping other reporters survive right because they were drinking sodas and crap like that those idiots they have some whiskey you know <laughs> so People, that, you know, no sunscreen no hats no nothing they don't know <laughs> you're going to death valley man put a long sleeve shirt on you moron
16: <laughs> excellent
18: anyway it, it, it turned out the first day they found a bullet casing right but it, it was made of some sort of alloy that proved it was recent it wasn't even around in 1969 the second spot and that was the most probable spot The second spot, some small, I think the remains of a pack rat or something they found. But what we were told is that the the science is so preliminary, it's so new, that even vegetation can give off sort of a a decomposition-type, of alert to a, a false dog
1: positive dog. one might yeah. say
18: you know so that's why they were saying it's inconclusive the only way to find out is to dig well they dug they didn't find anything i was like i was looking around for her i didn't see him
1: so because it's inconclusive the good news is you get to go back at some point and sweat to death once uh-huh. more
18: uh, I have to go back for the news conference, uh, which is fine. So you, it, it'll be in Independence. It won't be up there at the ranch. They'll but, have it at the Sheriff's Office in Independence. Uh, okay. But well, so you don't
1: have to go out there and stand and point at the hole in the ground where nothing was found.
18: No, no. but I, but honestly, it, it, it was not bad being there. Yeah, it was hot. It was miserable. It was like, jeez. And there were other people there. Um, <laughs> it's not that they were people, that they were idiots. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you know yeah, it's, Come on. Tim I, and
1: I are nodding our heads. That's a disdain with which we can identify, I my just, friend.
18: I just don't get and, and the idiotic questions <laughs> that they ask. God, shut up. You know, I'm trying to roll tape on that sound. Be quiet. You know, and it, it's just—it was just ridiculous. I, I should just let them all die. <laughs> I, really, I just should have just. No, I don't have any water. You're on your own. Drinker. Jim, I'm so thirsty. I'm sorry. Tex, I'm all tapped yeah. out over here. <laughs> you know, I'm sli- I'm slicing off pieces of my uh, SPF chapstick for everybody because their their lips are starting to look like you know they're in the Sahara for real. They're three blistering. Days. I should have left them alone. So very, very thirsty. Looks like the, rise of the, the flight of the Phoenix people, man. <laughs> so.
1: Excellent. The, calls like this are really what make you worth your weight in titanium, my friend. Oh, thanks. Jesus. All right. Well, better luck next time or, you know, whatever. Here's to fewer idiots the next go around.
18: I, I, speaking of idiots, I saw Phil Spector today. Really? He made an appearance in a courtroom today.
1: Looking crazy?
18: Yeah, looking the same.
1: Uh, yeah, uh... That
18: trial starts in the fall along with O.J. Simpson. So the fall is going to be pretty... Uh, Pretty neat around. It's going to
1: be trial All <laughs> All right. Are you on the clock tomorrow, sir? Absolutely. All right. We will talk to you then, brother. Enjoy right. your afternoon, sir. Thank you. James Roop, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five for five, Thursday. Four, three, two,
4: one, fire.
1: Jim really is one of us. Absolutely, he really is. is. Counting is wonderful.
4: Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you?
5: Ladies and gentlemen, here is
1: Tim Riley with today's Top 5.
0: And as only a few art forms can, music often celebrates itself by honoring both its current and past performers with tribute and song. Hey, he does, we count down these. The Top 5 songs about other rock musicians.
1: These are the Top 5 rock songs written about other rock and roll musicians or singers.
0: At number 5, Tesla song and emotion. So this is off the
1: uh, Psychotic Supper album. So this is written about Steve Clark from one of the many, many, many people from Def Leppard who's died horribly. Um, so this is a uh, guitarist Steve Clark from Def Leppard. I do believe overdosed on a drug that was supposed to get him off alcohol, so there's a little irony there. And uh, When we had how was it, uh, who was it we talked to from Tesla? It wasn't Jeff. I think it was Brian from Tesla. Yeah, uh, Brian. We had on, uh, and he talked about this song. And they were big fans of Def Leppard. This is a really great song, actually. Psychotic Supper kind of uh, came out at the wrong time, uh, like a lot of records do. But it's a great song, a really powerful song. It's got a great moment where it kind of kicks in here. This was the lead-off track for the record, which didn't do them didn't do them any favors because like eight minutes long, and nobody in radio is going to be playing some eight-minute Tesla song in 1993. That wasn't going to happen.
0: Counting down the top five rock songs written about other rock musicians, Tim. Number four, Paul Simon, the late great Johnny Ace.
1: The late great Johnny Ace. This is a great song, uh, because it's on Hearts and Bones, I think. Um. And it's a fantastic song because it's really beautiful. It's kind of melancholy and sort of a downer, but it's a beautiful song. Um, sorry, my screen just went blank over here. Um, it's a great song because it actually is about two different people at the same time. It is about the R and B singer Johnny Ace himself, who died in like the most rock and roll way possible. He killed himself playing Russian roulette backstage in Christmas Eve in 1956, I think, 57. So he finishes up some big rock and roll show, Christmas Eve backstage. Hey, Johnny, what should we do? I don't know. Let's play Russian Roulette. Dead. Oh, that's horrible. It's a horrible story, but it is sort of perfect in its own awful rock fashion. It's all part of his rock and roll lifestyle, Sarah. Um, And later on in the song, he sort of turns it into being about John Lennon. So the song is both an actual tribute to Johnny Ace and a sort of de facto tribute uh, to John Lennon. So it really is a beautiful song. A big buzzkill, but a, a great song. These are the top five songs uh, about other rock musicians.
0: Number three, Temple of the Dog. Say hello to heaven. Never live
1: a... And this is off the Temple of the Dog. I was talking to Chris Paddock from KUFO about this. This Temple of the Dog record, this falls into the category of records that you listen to all the way through once. And then you never listen to them all the way through, ever again, ever, ever, ever. Because the only two songs that anybody cares about on this record are this and Hunger Strike. And it's like you you really need to hear Reach Down a third time. This is a beautiful song, though, and I'm not like the biggest Chris Cornell fan. I don't really care for his voice. But this is about Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone, who overdosed on heroin. And then that band sort of splintered and became Pearl Jam. He was uh, Chris Cornell's uh, roommate. Really a beautiful song. And I may be wrong about this, but I think this record, not this song, but I think this record by way of Hunger Strike was the first recorded music that Eddie Vedder actually put out before he'd even joined Pearl Jam. They had him on, I think, to sing to sing lead on Hunger Strike. Counting down the top five rock songs written about other rock musicians.
0: Tim Riley. Number two, Concrete Blonde with Joey.
1: Uh, written by Jeanette Napolitano about Joey Ramone, with whom she is rumored to have had a long and tempestuous relationship. This is a really amazing song.
6: This is one of my favorite songs. It,
1: it is so heartbreakingly beautiful. And it doesn't sound dated at all. I mean, it's from the 80s, but you would never know it. I in the video for this song? Mm-mm. It's her... Uh, I think it's two videos, but the one I remember is her as a sort of a nightclub singer, sort of like Dante's, but she's singing on stage, singing this, and there's no one in the club except for like one drunk kind of passed out of the table and she's singing to no one. It's just it's beautiful. It's so sad, but it's beautiful.
6: I love Concrete One. I remember I drove with some friends to San Francisco and we just listened to Concrete One all the way down there.
1: They've made some of the most amazing songs. I mean this is sort of bloodletting is sort of viewed as their definitive record, but I mean they've had some really, really great singles apart from this album. What a voice. A and the fact that it's about Joey Ramone just makes it all the more heartbreaking. Oh, heart mm. <sighs> what would a big pick-me up this list has been? <laughs> Seriously, Rick. <laughs> Got to on the top five rock songs written about other rock musicians. Number one, Pink Floyd. Shine on, you crazy Diamond. <laughs> Way to sell it. Written, of course, about Sid Barrett, founding member and nutcase. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, running for the door,
0: holding all of us in disdain.
1: I mean, Sid Barrett, I mean, they're... I was going to say there's enough about him to fill a book, but I mean, they have filled books. I and mean, there's a book called The Saucerful of Secrets, which is a pretty definitive telling of the Pink Floyd saga. I mean, Sid Barrett. I mean, d- I mean, talk about a guy who burned fast and burned out. I mean, he forms Pink Floyd, goes crazy, and ends up living with his mother, uh, completely oblivious to the fact that he used to be in a band called Pink Floyd. Jesus, don't do drugs, kids. All right, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll come back. We'll do phone calls after this. It's 503 73 32970. The Rick Emerson Show continues. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of our show. Join us tomorrow when our guests may include Steve the Hook Novick. Or not.
6: Right. Yay, maybe. Uh, it's a dependent
1: in town. Needs uh, to be seen. I don't really know. I think uh, Richie's trying to track him down. So we'll see. Uh, like us next. Like us 101 at 5. Mike O'Mara Show at 7. Uh, and so forth. It's 503 733 2970. We'll just do random phone calls till the end of the program here. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up?
17: Hi, I heard that some of you guys saw the new Indiana Jones movie, and you sound like you were kind of disappointed.
1: Uh, Tim and I saw it last night, actually, yes.
17: So, what do you think was the storyline they should have told? Because I have ideas that I think they should have done.
1: Well, in terms of the storylines, again, I want to be very clear, it's not like it's the worst movie ever made. It's just, I'll put it this way. I don't expect better from George Lucas. I expect better from Steven Spielberg. It felt a little bit like a movie made by committee, like they couldn't quite figure out what story they wanted to tell, what the tone was going to be, or how it was going to look. So it sort of was like a hodgepodge. I I don't think the problem was the story, which is, you know, they're searching for a crystal skull. I think everybody knows that. Um, No. I I think the problem is that you look at every Indiana Indiana Jones film, and each one has gotten progressively sort of goofier. Each Indiana Jones film has gotten more comedic and more slapsticky. And they're supposed to be fun, but they're supposed to be a sort of feel of adventure, you know. And and last night, it just felt like a slapstick film. I think the problem is the tone more than anything else. They should have taken the adventure part of it more seriously.
17: Well, do you think, though, they should have just waited until they got... Well, personally, I think I wouldn't have chosen Harrison Ford. I would have gotten maybe Russell Crowe or Matthew Fox or found... A time to look for an unknown actor with a lot of charisma. Let the audience discover a new star and tell a younger story. I don't want to see Indiana Jones old. I don't want to see Indiana Jones with a kid, if that's what's going on there with Shia. No, that, well, is, the bus.
1: that is a fair point, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, it, it was hard to see Harrison Ford be 65 years old only because your brain couldn't really adjust to it. So I will yeah. say that. It, it took a good a good chunk of the first act to sort of wrap you hey, brain Hey, so was,
6: were you right Thank that you. Were, were the guys who did the um, the, um, the Indiana Jones thing that we did No, they weren't the, okay. no, the
1: adaptation guys were not in Not that I saw, it, anyway. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program.
10: Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up, sir? Hey, I, uh, in regards to Ted Kennedy Yes, sir. And his brain tumor, I think he's kind of missing the golden ticket that's been handed to him with this diagnosis because you know, let's face it, he's 76 years old he's only got so many more moons ahead of him but uh, he could be kind of going free willy-nilly with his behavior and, and blame it all on the tumor. He could
1: drown as many women as he likes.
10: Yeah, he could line up a whole... Allegedly.
16: girl.
1: He could... I mean, I guess that's a, And really, let's be honest. I mean, Tim's out of the room. I can say this. What kind of legacy is Ted Kennedy really trying to work to ensure here? I mean, come on.
10: Well, yeah, we're all, you know, we're moving past the era to where the name Kennedy really has any kind of significant tone to it. He's the, you know, the last remaining... Original, you know. So I mean,
0: it is true.
1: No, he can. No, he could be. He could be working on his bucket list right now. Yeah, go out with a bang. Thank you. Or for several. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
17: It's kind of a
8: callback to yesterday's high concept, but I saw a bumper sticker that I thought was really funny, but I don't quite get it. You ready? Yes, sir. Because my cat can eat a whole watermelon.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> That's it. I don't. I mean, it's, I got nothing.
8: It makes you laugh. They I mean, think all all... Is that all it does, or does it mean something?
1: You know, not everything has to mean something, sir. Sometimes there are things that are simply amusing. There was the one okay. I... Somebody told us one yesterday, it says, You say tomato, I say go F yourself. So... <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Uh, I have one more. Real quick. Okay, is this, this Bio- is going to make you the last call of the day, is it not, Sarah? Yes, it is. Okay, if you try all to right, extend this, okay. it's all on you. You made us laugh once. The pressure is on to complete this call as splendidly.
8: All right, you ready? This is my idea. Yes. Biodiesel, can
1: you hear the corn screaming? All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You know what I expected? I expected him to go, wait, I have I one more. going to hang up. And it clicked. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed. See, there, but see, I can never spot it because that time I thought it was going to happen and then it didn't. All right. I got nothing. All right. Uh, we want to thank Great White for coming in today. Uh, those guys were fantastic. They're going to be at the Roseland tonight. Uh, Tickets through Tickets West. We want to thank Jim Root, Michelle Wright, and Bob Costantini from CNN Radio. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for AIM 970, Solid State Radio. in The Newsroom, Tim Riley And the phones, Richie Bristol. The gatekeeper Dave Zinn. The web mistress is Bridget from upstairs. The director of engineering is Brian Jones. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. As always, my friends, thank you for listening. Like us next. Like us, 101 at 5. Michael Mara at 7. Don't let the bastards grind it out and I'm huge watch out for snakes bye now
9: if you see a rock somewhere take
2: part with him try to feel that feel that crack